Mabuza presents SCP. The Steve Dangle Podcast with your hosts, Steve Dangle and Adam Wild. Leaves trade looks at his phone for not Luke Glendening. Yay! Yay! All right. All right. Yeah, so the Leafs get a, a couple things here. One, Thomas Plakanitz, Thomas mm-hmm. who is not a fourth-line center at all. He's better than that. Uh, so that's really good. Two, sensible turtlenecks. <laughs> ah, really good. good. Three, not Luke Glendening. <laughs> <laughs> and and not Luke Glendening for two more years after this, too. I mean, there's still time. You know, but, but dude, Buchanan's so contract. I'm not being negative. It's real. Thomas Buchanan's is done after the season. Glenn Denning's got two more. Maybe they get him in the mm. summer. Yeah, Thomas, he'll probably go back to playing in Montreal. And it's funny, Montreal Canadiens fans are already looking. His if he plays every single regular season game for the Leafs, it will bring him to 999 games in his career. Aww. So there's, it's conceivable he plays his thousands with Montreal. Oh, interesting. In I was talking season. to Berkshire because he's like he's going to play his thousandth as a Leaf. He's not. Interesting. Nice. Very interesting. He's going to be in an outdoor game with the Leafs. That's right. That's super weird. I mean, depending on, I guess there wouldn't be. If you'll be able to see him with those white jerseys, though. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Well, he'll have a blue turtleneck. Ah, of course. He'll be the only player you can see. (laughs) So I, I wanted to ask the question. I think it's an important question. Who wears a better turtleneck, Mm. Dmitry Filipovich or Thomas Plakanitz? See. Because I met Dimitri, we, Jesse and I met Dimitri at NXT, mm. uh, guest of Eric Young. You didn't come because you, you had to do I, other I things. I had to do other stuff. You, you, it was too unimportant for you, superstar. I had pizza, shut up. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, Dimitri came up and he's like, hey man, uh, what's going on? Like he introduced himself and I was like, wow, that is a sharp dressed man. Dimitri is very much the new old school whereas Thomas Placanitz is the old, old school. Right. It depends what kind of vintage you enjoy. I right. mean, Dimitri's are growing on I me, though. His his vintage seems to be scotch of at least 15 years or more aged. See, I feel like he's one of the blended scotches, but high-end. High-end okay. blended. Okay. Whereas, like, Placanitz's type of scotch is, like, the, the diesel that, like... Hardened former oil rig working Scottish men <laughs> drink instead of tea. <laughs> I like that. Okay. Yeah. All right. There you go. I want um I want, Thomas, I want Thomas Placanics to I want him to, to catch on in Toronto. I want people to start wearing turtlenecks to the game. No, that's weird. No. Dude. It's weird. <laughs> Why? It's weird that he's a leaf period. Yeah. That's so I'm weird. so cool with it. Um you know, if what, you look on his five weird? his five on five numbers are great. I'm a, yep. I'm jacked about that. Listen, I'm not saying that Montreal didn't make out well in this trade, because I think they absolutely did. Fantastically. But yep. if you look at what the Leafs got, this is what we needed. God, there's so much to unpack here. So, one, it's... Okay, what's more weird? Thomas Placanitz in a Leafs uniform. He's been with the Habs since, I think, 2004. Or, um, the fact that a trade broke before we started recording our show. <laughs> Placanitz. Still weirder. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know what? This has happened before. Mm. You know, we're... We gotta... We gotta a poor batting average, but decent slugging. Right. Did, did I get it, baseball person? Did I get it? Yeah. 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 Sure. Sure. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> no, that made sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Go me. Uh, they're Mark McGuire at the tail end of his career. You know what I mean? Sure. He struck out a lot. Yeah. But he hit home runs. Yeah, See, he, I watched. 
I watch highlights in like two thousand seven. Twenty year old yeah. reference <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. No, uh, so the the deal, which I'm sure you know, is the Leafs get Placanitz and Kyle Bond in exchange for a 2018 second. Is it the Leafs second? Or the Sharks? It is the Leafs' second. Uh, the Leafs, thanks to hmm. Roman Polak and James Reimer two years ago, have a second and a third from San Jose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, <laughs> And also Renat Valiev and Kirby Reichel. So we're going to have Eric Engels on in a moment. Uh, we can maybe learn more about Kyle Bond and Thomas Placanitz. What I understand, Placanitz still has a lot of gas in the tank. It's kind of a jerk. Loves, uh, loves giving you little butt ends. He, his five-on-five five numbers are good. Like you said, he's a penalty killer. Um, and and he's I mean, he's probably and he's... better than Dominic Moore, who has, I think, been good recently. And I think the fourth line had the best possession of any Leaf line last night in their win over the Bruins. So, yeah, so it's not it's a, unfortunate for him. The but. thing is, though, if you look at it, like, okay, so now you've got Placanic and Moore and Bozak and potentially Nylander and Marlowe and Matthews exactly. and Codger. Like, that's the point, right, is to stack your team with as many centermen as you can and what this also gives the Leafs is time. You don't need to bring Matthews back 10 days from now. You don't need to bring him back 11 days from now when the Leafs play the Sabres. You can wait after the four-day break, and then they play the Penguins. Maybe you don't want him playing a hard game against the Penguins, and you can play him after that. You can rest Matthews right up until right before the playoffs if you really want to. Uh, it could potentially give them that time. Habs fans, here's what you get, you lucky sons of guns. Uh, for the second time in as many seasons, the Leafs give a second round pick to a divisional rival. Mm-hmm. Not a huge fan of that. Um, but the other option was like, I don't know, Mark Letestu. I'm not sure how much you're actually upgrading there. Or Luke Glendening, where I think you're taking a step backward mm-hmm. <laughs> there. So that would have been bad. Um, and the second from San Jose is going to be higher than the second from the Leafs, which is Yes, nice. it will. Yeah. It, it's, so we're keeping I the think it pick. partially depends on how they do in the playoffs, right? Because if either team makes the final four, then we're then we we're have. talking. We're having a totally different conversation, and the and the Sharks have a lot of cap room. Um, Valiev was a favorite of Babcock's with the Marlies, so I was surprised to see him given up. And Kirby Reichel, I mean, big body forward. He has some NHL experience. Son of uh, is it Warren Reichel? Yeah. Both I of those guys, right. Reichel and Valiev, could be depth guys for, for Montreal. But the thing was, they just were not getting into the... Especially Kirby Reichel. There's no way he was getting into the Toronto lineup. There's Reichel, no way. yeah, was especially buried. Um, Valiev was at least... He's played games with the Leafs, and he was called up earlier this season and not used. Like, Reichel, I don't even think there was really a prospect of him getting called up. A little bit surprised, um, given that the Leafs might lose JVR next season, because I looked at Reichel as a guy who may get an audition there, but... Um, I think with Andreas Johnson scoring 49 so points good. in 49 games. Yeah, he's so good. And we know what Mark Bergevin likes. He likes his he likes his big boys, so he, he got two. Valiev's big. He likes big boy hockey, Jesse. He, he got uh, Valiev, who's big, mm. Reichel, who's big. And honestly, with the Habs playing the way they are this season, like how bad they've been, and um, I mean, they're probably maybe selling off even more guys <laughs> and with all their injuries. I think Valley Evan Reichel could get into the lineup Absolutely. Like right away. Absolutely. Yeah. So and, I really like the trade for the Habs. Um, and it doesn't, for the Leafs, it, I mean, it depends on how they do, right? That's, it doesn't that's really, every deadline rental. It really doesn't take away from what the Leafs already have. And then I think, I think that's the fear. I don't think management really wants to dip into a guy like Andreas Johnson 
Like I just don't no. see them wanting to trade a guy like no, that. No, they shouldn't. And and they that's the thing shouldn't. is that those are fringe guys who are coming out of prospect territory. It's it's do or die for those guys now, right? Yeah, well, Valley of. And it's, listen, I was about to say Valiev was drafted in 2014, which is true, but it was the second year he was eligible to be drafted. Yeah. So he's... 22, 23? Yeah, around there, and Reichel, I think, is around the same age. They're creeping into what-the-hell-are-you territory. Yeah, no, and, right. and, and the second-round pick is clearly the piece that matters in this for Montreal, I would think. Uh, the other, the yeah, other those, part... Those two are, are bonuses if they pan out. Right. Uh, one somebody uh, Darren Fife actually tweeted me. He's like, "Hey, uh, overlooked aspect: the Leafs also have an extra ra- uh, roster spot now." Woo! Uh, no, they don't. See, I said that to Berkshire. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but Braun, Blitkanitz, and Braun. Oh, right. Yeah. And then, yeah, that's what I thought too. Underrated. So uh, Montreal is pointed also something out. sitting at four second round picks in wow. this upcoming draft, that's... as well as three fifth round picks. Wow, so they got yeah. their own first, their own second, Chicago's second, uh, which is getting better by the minute, by the way, uh, the Leafs second, and Washington second. <laughs> Holy mackerel. Yeah, so those will probably go mo- be moved to trade up, mm-hmm. I would think, because you don't sit on ah. four second-round picks and take four guys. Why the hell not? Here's how Why valuable not? Thomas Volcanic is in Montreal, by the way. Jeff Molson tweeting this recently. Merci, thank you, Plecky, for everything you did to this organization. You are a true pro and a gentleman. Bon chance. And that's that's pretty cool. He's trending on Twitter because of it. He, oh boy, it's a shame he's not a Hab anymore. It's even more of a shame. Like, a lot of Habs fans got to be feeling pretty bad right yeah, now. Yeah, well, he's Gil- a Gilmore was a Canadian once, so I, this but is at payback. Least, like, he wasn't traded from the Leafs to the Canadians, though. Yeah, I think he was traded from the Canadians back to the Leafs. I want to say the, mm, yes, you're right, actually. <laughs> you're right. Uh, I think he was traded to, I want to say the Devils, or was it the Blackhawks? He man, oh, him they, and Wendell Clark, they just started putting around Gilmore, the NHL. Gilmore was traded the to New Jersey, then signed in Chicago. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, hey, uh, we gotta we gotta get Eric Angles on the phone. Sure, let's. So do that. Uh, I think he, that's important po- time to pause and, and dial that phone. Yeah, Eric Angles, Sportsnet.ca, uh, Montreal Canadiens reporter extraordinaire, just finished up his column and is now making time for us on the Steve Dangle podcast. Eric, thank you so much for rejoining us. We appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's a long time no speak. I'm happy to speak to you guys. Seriously. Um, now, this deal... We'll call you tomorrow if something else happens. <laughs> <laughs> this deal is very, very interesting from, from a, a few different perspectives, and we could start with the fact that this deal for Montreal at one point could have included being a part of an Eric Carlson, Eric Carlson deal, correct? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot floating around, and I can't say for certain, you know, because things didn't go down that way that that, that was going to happen. But one of the things that I had heard last May was that Montreal was among four teams involved in a potential Eric Carlson trade, and that might have seen Plykanitz going to Tampa Bay as part of all the uh, package kind of scenarios that you could run through. But since that didn't happen and is off as far as I could tell, um, this deal went down with the Toronto Maple Leafs. They were a team that were in the hunt for play candidates uh, going back for quite a few weeks now. And uh, I think it's a, it's a great addition for the Toronto Maple Leafs and a deal that worked out really well for the Canadians. So, I mean, this is a little tinfoil hatty, And I mean, uh, it, it sounds just based on what you're saying that it wasn't all that close to happening, but I wonder if part of what the Leafs get out of this Placanitz deal is they were kind of cutting off that four-way deal at the pass. 
I, yeah, I mean, you know, we're like, we're, we can't get so far into the ifs that we get that yeah. far into them, you know, but too much. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose, uh, suppose you can make that argument though. I highly doubt that it has anything to do with anything. I, I think, you know, the Leafs had an opportunity to add a centerman that can move up and down their lineup that at 35 years old, he may have lost a bit of offense, but has not lost any speed virtually any speed he can shut down some of the best players in the world and um a real role player for a team Mike Babcock is going to have such an appreciation for this player and you know that Claude Julien had massive appreciation for Thomas Placanis Claude was here from the day that Placanis stepped into the lineup as a young player drafted by the Canadians organization and he was here towards the end and still using him you know upwards of 17 minutes a game um, on a team that understandably has depth issues up the middle, but you know, Placanitz is such a reliable player. You, he's such a predictable player in terms of what you're going to get out of him night after night, and he's such a consistent player. So, this is a, a a great addition for a Maple Leafs team that looks a lot stronger up the middle than they did yesterday. So. Sorry, go ahead, Steve. Well, I was going to say, like the the one thing we've noticed from literally day one of the season is Babcock didn't appear to be the biggest Dominic Moore fan, uh, even though, in my opinion, he's been playing better recently. But um, that leaves fourth line now, potentially, you know, when Matthews gets back, of course. Komarov there on the left. Kapanen, who Babcock raved about yesterday, on the right. And, and now and They don't have a fourth line anymore. They don't have and, one. And and all things considered, I mean, if they keep Dominic Moore through through Monday, uh, that's serviceable playoff depth. I mean, he has a history of being a performer in the playoffs, and you never know when you're going to suffer injuries, and the Leafs are dealing with that right now. And it's 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 a big factor. And to be able to get a quality center like Placanitz, who can play in every situation, um, they will rely on him as the, their number one penalty kill, one, number one penalty killer, if not their number two. And uh, he can play at five on five against the best players in the world. And to have that kind of player that you can rely on for more than 12 to 15 minutes a game, uh, that's that's worth the cost that they paid. It's one of the things that um, that's been interesting about the Leafs is that they have this. We, we, you know, we make a big deal out of everything in Toronto, as you know, Eric. But uh, no, you do. <laughs> but, <laughs> but one of the things that happened last night was you have the Marlowe, Kadri, Komarov line reunited, and they go sixty percent possession against the Bergeron line, which is the big line for Boston, who they're likely going to play in the first round. But they look terrible on two goals, <laughs> right? Of course. And then you've got now you've got a, another line that could shut it down because it seemed like you know you got the Matthews, Nylander, Hyman line. Which are you know they're young. You got the Bozak JVR line, which is you'd never throw those out there against offensively strong lines. And then so so now we finally it seems like we've got a center that can actually kind of jump in, and you wouldn't be afraid of Kadri, Kadri's line or whatever line he's on being out against the best players on the other team. And that's kind of the whole issue with Bozak on the Leafs lineup. You know, from an outsider looking in, is like he's he's right in the middle. You know, he's a guy who's going to get those kind of third line minutes who can't necessarily play the role of a third line center. So to have that kind yeah. of depth behind him and alleviate him of those responsibilities, knowing that that's not his forte. I mean, it's, it's a great move by the Leafs. Now, all that said, this was an excellent move from the Montreal Canadiens. Yep. And, and one of the biggest reasons why it was is because Thomas Placanitz had no trade protection in his deal. Everybody knew that. It was one of the, the things I remember the day that he signed this deal, uh, going back two years, which was a two-year, $12 million deal. 
Um, my column that day was about the fact that he had no trade protection. It was very unlikely that he would finish this deal in Montreal. Um, I might have been wrong on that day had the Canadians had somewhat of a, a much more respectable season than they've had so far. But considering the road they went down, it was clear it was going to go that way. Now, knowing that he had no trade protection, Mark Bergevin, uh, out of respect for a guy who played 981 games with the franchise, went to him and said, listen, you know, we're in a position where there's a lot of interest in you. You know, so-and-so teams are involved. Do you have any preferences? If you do, we will try to, with no guarantees, we will try to work something out for you because we like you. We want you to come back in the off season. If we can have you back, you know, there was a, there was a contract that was worked on uh, to extend play candidates. If for whatever reason, he wouldn't have been able to move between now and the deadline. And I got to believe that the parameters from those contracts from everything I've been told uh, would extend to the off season. So the fact that, Thomas Placan had told Mark Bergman, listen, I don't want to go to the Western Conference. And Mark Bergman had a deal in principle in place with the Winnipeg Jets and opted to trade him to the Leafs. Um, you know, he, he keeps Placanitz happy. It's bittersweet, obviously. He didn't want to leave Montreal to begin with. Um, but he keeps Placanitz happy and, and potentially opens the door for him to come back. And if the return on Placanitz is a second-round pick, Kirby Reichel, and this young Russian defenseman and the fact that he might actually get play candidates back on a very cheap contract to serve as important depth on a center line that is not all that good in Montreal, uh, but stands to get better with some other moves that Bergevin makes, then he's really knocked it out of the park on this deal. So for all the criticism Mark Bergevin has received over the last year, and a lot of it very justified, this is one move where he really deserves to be commended, and it's, uh, it's looking great for the Canadians. Absolutely. It seems like just a fair trade. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no doubt about it. When you have two parties uh, happy about what they're doing, you know, even if even if Bergevin is not able to secure Placanitz on a new contract come the off season, um, then he still has to be happy with what he got in this deal. Uh, yes, he had to retain fifty percent of Placanitz's remaining six million dollar cap it. I mean, that is a negligible part of this. It's great for the Maple Leafs, but it really doesn't matter to the Canadians considering most of his money has been paid and they have the fifth most cap space in the NHL. So that's not even really a factor. And, and, you know, the one beauty of this whole situation is if all that good faith leads to play candidates coming back, the Maple Leafs have 18 games remaining in their season, which would bring him to 999 if he plays in all of them. <laughs> and he'd get to play his thousandth game as a Montreal Canadian. That's, that's special because, you know, he's 13th in team scoring in the history of a team that's won 24 Stanley Cups and has more Hall of Famers than any other team in the league by more than double. That's nuts. Uh, yeah. That's crazy. He's, he's seventh all-time in, in, in games played for the franchise. Uh, you know, and a guy that was, was drafted in the second round and turned out to be a star player for them at one point. He had five seasons of over 20 goals uh, and, and, and uh, or sorry, six seasons of over 20 goals and five of 50 points or more. Wow. Uh, he played on one of the best lines we've seen in the last 20 years with Andre Kostitsin and Alex Kovalev in 2007, 2008, and had a 69-point season. I mean, nice. he, he turned out to be a star player in Montreal, and then he turned out to be an elite shutdown player who helped so many players come up in this system uh, and turn young players into better ones. So good for him, and good for him to get a chance with a team that has some real potential moving forward uh, this season. 
now that the Leafs have Placanix and seeing the haul that they uh, they traded for Nash, is it more likely or less likely that they trade JVR? <laughs> Leafs insider Eric Engels. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, I don't. I don't see a scenario where the Toronto Maple Leafs are considering moving off their roster right now. They don't have a reason to do that. They don't have incentive to do that. And when you look at what James Van Riemsdyk has done this season. Uh, I would be, it would go down as, let's put it this way, it'd be a lot more shocking than seeing Eric Carlson move. What do you think the return, huh. if there is any, on Max Pacioretty will be? Do you think he gets traded? I do. Um, I'll tell you this. The, the, the Canadians did not have a deal that was close to what they were wanting to accept on Pacioretty as of yesterday. If they had, he would have been held out of last night's game as a precaution. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, we know that now that Nash is gone, uh, we know that now that Winnipeg has struck out on a few different players. I'm not saying that Patretti will end up in Winnipeg. Cause I don't want to get radioed on that. Like <laughs> just saying there are teams, there are, there are teams out there with a lot of incentive to add this type of player. And I think Mark Bergevin is going to get a lot closer to the price he's willing to accept for him as we move towards 3 PM Monday. And as far as I know, there are, as many as four teams kicking tires on Pacioretty and trying to work something out that they could add him. One of them is, as reported by Nick Kiprios and Elliot Friedman, the Los Angeles Kings, and I believe that's a very real possibility right now. Another is the Florida Panthers, uh, and I can't really what I can't really hmm. I can't really assuredly put out the other names of teams that that are potentially looking at Pacioretty, but. There is a marketplace for him, and I really do believe that between now and 3 p.m. Monday, and I've been wrong before, but I'm willing to stake it and say that I think the the chances are stronger that he's gone than they are that he'll be staying. uh, Just a couple things there. So you said the Panthers, and my response was, what? Mm -hmm. But I forgot something that I did just last night. I looked at the standings. Now, as uh, Leaf fans, I think, have a distorted view of the standings because we're kind of just looking up at Tampa and Boston. That well looking down at Boston for the time being. I don't know how long that's going to last. But the Panthers, I think, have played the fewest games in the NHL. They're actually only, I think, four or five points back of the wild card spot. And they're one of the hottest teams in contention for the wild card spot. So, man, if they go for Pacioretty, that's a ballsy move. Um, I don't, I don't know if it pushes them over the top. Well, let's let's just put it this way. Um, if Max Pacioretty was asked like Thomas Placanitz was, and Max Pacioretty has no trade protection. If he was asked by Mark Bergman, and I'm not saying that he was, but if he was, um, the number one team he would say he, wanted, he would want to go to is the Florida Panthers. Money. And, and, you know, beyond that, beyond that fact is the Florida Panthers, Max Pacioretty is under contract through next season. And the Panthers have a rich prospect pool. Uh, and they could use a player like him who's at $4.5 million a season between now and 2019 uh, to add to what they've got. And uh, I, I see a big incentive for Dale Talon to potentially purchase there. And I, I can't help but feel that if Mark Bergevin has taken the same approach with Pacioretty as he has with Clay Canitz, and I'm not saying that I know that he has, but – I think it's possible that he has, then yes, the Florida Panthers make a lot of sense. And considering I've heard that they're one of the teams in on him, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. And to what you said about, um, the Patrick going to potentially Winnipeg, 
So we already know Hoffman said no, which you alluded to. And then last night what they said, I think, during headlines was everyone's kind of waiting for Rick Nash to move. Well, he moved. And then after that, the runner-up was supposed to be Evander Kane. Which, we know Winnipeg's not trading for him. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I, could, I could see, I mean, I mean, I, I know Florida's got a good system, and maybe, maybe you could get something out of them. I, I but what team, what team is more likely to overpay than Winnipeg at this point? I can see it too. I can see it too, and I'm not sure it's. I'm not sure it's going to happen. I can't say with any knowledge that Winnipeg is interested in Max Pacioretty. But you have to think, with Hoffman having said no, that they they are in on that player. And uh, like I said, I don't have intel on that, so I, you know, I can't say for sure. But if I was Kevin Dayoff, there wouldn't be a player I'd be more interested in if I was looking to add a scoring winger than Max Pacioretty, especially given what they have. Because you look at Pacioretty's oh. history, he's had issues, obviously, in the playoffs, but you know he's had no help, virtually no help in Montreal uh, to get things done. But in Winnipeg, he doesn't have to be the guy. There's Blake Wheeler, there's Mark Shifley, there's Nick Ehlers, there's, there's Patrick Laine. Uh, you know, to add Pacioretty to that picture. Laine uh, was the fourth guy you mentioned. That's crazy. That is, I put them up against Tampa <laughs> offensively, you know? Like, that's that's insane. That's hey, at the stacked. beginning of the year, you know, we're all in hockey pools. At the beginning of the year, my entire hockey pool strategy was I'm picking players only from Winnipeg, Tampa, and Toronto uh, as high-octane offensive players. <laughs> and it's done very well for me. Let's put it that way. So, oh, dude, like, Blake, uh, mi- uh, my wife has Blake Wheeler in a hockey pool, and guess what? Blake Wheeler is paying for our fridge to be fixed. So I would like to well, personally got, thank got, him. I've got, I've got him and Shifley, so it's working out well, and I've got Matthews, and I traded for Crosby. I traded Point, Braden Point and Vlad Domestnikov for Crosby, which was the steal of this year. Yo, you stole wow. him. And, wow. Uh, I can't well, believe Eric know, Engels just reported that Braden Point and Vlad Domestnikov <laughs> are getting traded for a Sidney Crosby. That's very cool. <laughs> Get a Google alert. Yeah. yeah. I did it you know, knowing that Sid is you know, in the second half is, is a whole different player. and uh, It's always well, so frustrating. Thing. It worked out well. It worked out well. Eric, so, um, I, I got to ask you just uh, just because of uh, of your pool acumen and also your Montreal Canadiens acumen. Um, you obviously the big move today was you know was not the Leafs in Montreal. It was Boston and the Rangers. Rick Nash goes one way. Everybody else goes the other. Um, (laughs) What did you think of the hall in uh, the hall, as in not Taylor Hall, but the 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 return on Rick Nash? And will what Pacioretty brings come anywhere close to that? Because you know Max Pacioretty, for the struggles he's had this year, is probably a better player. Is on you know projects to have more points. And and I I don't see any reason why he wouldn't rebound next year. You get him for another year. Like is that? It, are we talking a, a pretty like? Is, is the, are the prices comparable? Is it more? Is it less? What do you think? Got to be more. Yeah, I'll I'll start with the Pacioretty angle of it. Um, I think the Canadians, I, in an ideal world, get a first round pick, a a, pros, a center NHL ready, top center prospect, and potentially another prospect or, or a roster player. That's, that's ideal. Uh, I think that would equate to what Rick Dash brought in, but probably be a better deal, better quality pieces involved. So <clears throat> to answer your question, 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely it's hard to compare the two because one is a UFA and the other is has one more year on one of the best contracts in the NHL, and everybody knows the second he leaves Montreal, he's going to explode, which is not as much of a guarantee with Rick Nash in Boston. Um, that said, I'm probably against the grain on this. I love this deal for Boston. I, I love this deal for Boston. No I love I love what it means for the Bruins in the room who have proven to be not only a much better team than anybody thought they'd be, um, but in my view, potentially the best team in the NHL. And then that comes down to the way they play, the way they act as a team, and that top line and the top-heavy elements there. And, and what turns them into that much better of a team is the fact that they were top-heavy and they added a piece like Rick Nash to play underneath those guys. And that's, you know, you could talk about Nash's point production in New York, which is a waffling team, uh, or you could also talk about the fact that he's one of the best two-way forwards in the game, something which he rarely gets credit for his defensive side of the game. So I think it's a great move for Boston. and It's going to reinforce a lot of goodwill in that room. They're going to feel really good about the fact that Don Sweeney swung for the fences and made that move. No, but Spooner going the other way, along with Lindgren and the picks, and obviously Matt Bolesky, but that was a bit of a, you know, a salary, 50% that's, that's retention dump. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people said, well, Spooner's on, on pace for more points, and he's 26 years old, and, you know, he's less expensive. Is there any argument to the fact that you know, there's no question he probably wouldn't have fit into the lineup had they kept him. But um, is there is Spooner a, a comparable player? And did they just give up a comparable player for a guy with a great reputation? Or is it a guy? Is it that genuinely like Rick Nash is going to change the way the you know the second and third lines on this team play? Mm, I don't. I think Ryan Spooner has everything to do with cap implications and what Fair. the Bruins had to do to get this deal done. Uh, I'm not taking anything away from Ryan Spooner, who's clearly a very talented player. But the Boston Bruins are looking at this situation as how are we going to win the Stanley Cup? And and does this make us a better team and give us a better chance winning the Stanley Cup? And with Nash's playoff experience, even though some of it has been um, not excellent, mm-hmm. let's put it that way, um, you know, the Bruins have to believe they have a better chance of winning the Stanley Cup today than they did yesterday when they had Ryan Spooner and Matt Bolesky buried in the minors and, and their first-round pick. So, I don't know. I, if I were in Don Sweeney's shoes and that management group's place, I'd make that deal every day. So, All right. that's just me. You know, I, I, I've seen a lot of the reaction out there. Like, I know a lot of people think they gave up too much to make this deal happen. I just happen to believe that that's the nature of the deadline. That's the nature of the salary cap. And they targeted a player that they wanted that they believe makes them better and gives them a chance to win the Stanley Cup. And they have every reason to be excited about it because I think they they absolutely achieved that objective. There is a another team in the Atlantic Division that we've uh, flirted talking with, but uh, let's let's dive in. Uh, what the hell are the Sens doing? <laughs> You know, the real question to me is, what is Gary Bettman doing about Eugene Melman? And oh, yeah. wow, Good great, point. great and, answer. And it's 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 a question because LeBreton Flats looks like it's going to happen. That the Senators are going to get a downtown arena, and it's going to happen sometime in the near future. And 
heaven forbid they have an owner who's not willing to spend anything to put a product on the ice there because they are going from a situation where attendance is terrible uh, to only getting worse with every player and their mother being traded out of town. And, you know, they're, they're, the reality of them exploring trading Eric Carlson uh, has as much to do with the fact that they may not want to pay him as it does with Eric Carlson not wanting to stick around for what's going on there. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's a toxic situation with a guy who, I mean, everything he has said and done in the last year is like communications 101 of what not to do. He's Mr. Burns. With your fan base. Uh, I wouldn't even give him that. He's not that cunning and, and conniving. <laughs> brilliant. He's, uh, he's really, you know. Ham-handed. Uh, I don't even know what the words are I would use to describe it, but I, all I could say is if I were Gary Bettman, um, I'd be looking nonstop for somebody who can buy this team and I would be voting him out and getting him out of there and, and getting him his money and, and trying to build some sort of semblance for the future in Ottawa, because if they can't do that, um, they're going to have to start looking at, you know, about 200 kilometers East on the four Oh, on the, on the, uh, on the 40 and the, uh, the four Oh seven and, and get that team over to Quebec where it'll be treated properly and where there's a beautiful building waiting and owners willing to take it and, and turn it into a team that's worth watching. Cause wow. what's going on there right now to me is a real shame. And, and mm-hmm. I, I think there's, there's a serious threat to viability in hockey in Ottawa with this guy at the helm of, of the team. Can you vote someone out of ownership in the NHL? Cause I know you can do that in the NBA, but like you mentioned something like, like how yeah, do you you're get- asking me for the technicalities. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> oh, I mean, can you, can you, how do you force Eugene Melnick out? I got, unless you give him, make him just a big fat offer. Yeah. But, find, find the guy who's willing to pay him. I mean, that's, that's the way, but at the end of the day, there's no way that he's happy. There's no way that board of governors are happy. Uh, and it just, it's a, it's a toxic, bad situation that reflects horribly on Melnick and, and just as badly on the NHL for allowing, something like this to happen. And it's just the the irony in the whole situation is here's Pierre Dorian with a contract extension sitting there um, about to make a move that will forever mark his, his name as, as a general manager in this league. And And at the same time, at the same time, he could completely remake the senators in a really good way Mm -hmm. in making that deal. But as we all know, and as history has proven so many times over and over again, regardless of the sport, when you give up the best player in the deal, it's hard to say that you're winning it. And the only other circumstances where that has happened really was the Eric Lindros trade. And, and, uh, (laughs) And even so, we may not be saying that. We may not be saying that about the Eric Lindros trade if Patrick Waugh was never traded to the Colorado Avalanche in 1995 because they may have never won without him for as great of a team as they had. You look at the competition they had with the Red Wings and, you know, it's huh. it's that's that's how much it took for that to happen. But, yeah, I mean, if you would ask me now in retrospect if I would have traded Eric Lindros one for one for Peter Forsberg, never mind the 100 other assets they got in that deal that were incredible players – uh, I would I would have done it. I, I love Peter Forsberg as my favorite player of all time, and I think in in the end, 
he was a better player than Eric Lindros, though I know that's one of a few things I've said in the last 15 minutes or so that many people would disagree with. <laughs> I, I mean, hey, man, uh, Lindros was an absolute phenom, but I, I still tell people Peter Forsberg in his prime is still one of the best players I've ever seen live. He's so Peter dominant. Forsberg, the thing I love, like, when I grew up as a fan of the game, the thing that I loved most about players was seeing them do things that nobody had done before them. And that's why I believe, you know, when I saw Carey Price at his very best, I, I truly believe he's, he's the best goaltender I've ever seen. Numbers be damned because they'll never match up with what some of the other guys in the game have done. But when I watch him and what he does, I see something that I've never seen from anybody else. When I watch Sidney Crosby play up against the greatest players of all time and Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky and Bobby Orr and all those guys, just like them before him, he does things that I've never seen anybody do. And that, for me, makes him the best, like literally the best player I've ever seen. And I felt that way about Peter Forsberg watching him play because I had never seen a player hit other players while he had the puck. I had never I seen a player to say that. Who, could, who could who could throw a pass the way he could uh, blind and, and outside of Gretzky, the, the best passer I've ever seen in my life. And, and, you know, there's a prototypical play in Peter Forsberg's career that for me is sums up exactly who he was as a player and why nobody was like him before he came into action. And it's, it's a playoff game between the Minnesota Wild and, and the Colorado Avalanche and Forsberg. I can't tell you what year it was. There's a puck sitting on the center ice line and Forsberg is skating across the line and Wes Walls is skating from blue line to red line. And they're skating, trying to get to this loose puck and Forsberg gets to it a split second before Walls He's a left-handed shot who corrals the puck with his top hand and lowers his shoulder into Walls and absolutely pancakes him. And Walls turns, was a small guy too. <laughs> no, no, he wasn't. And yeah. he turns and he turns around. Wasn't he? Uh, Forsberg was he a small guy? Uh, West Walls? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to check the stats. Anyway, but, sorry, sorry. I'm interrupting your amazing big, story. Oh, what a go surprise! Ahead. I know. What a surprise! <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. He, he, he pancakes Walls, like, flat on his back, like, one of the hardest hits you will ever see. <laughs> he pivots, turns, throws a breakaway pass to Milan Hayduke, who scores. And it was just, that was Peter Forsberg. Like, that was, that play, nobody else in the world would do that. It was just, those are the players I always had the most appreciation for. And I think, you, you know, a guy who never scored more than 30 goals in a season was one of the best players I've ever seen. Uh, I, I gotta, I gotta follow up on this. I yeah, gotta sure. bring it back to Ottawa for just a second, Eric. And I'm so sorry to do this because that was. Why I, sorry? You're bringing me. Well, I, I mean, because the fourth we time so great. Want, well, I just we'll West Walls. I five ten one eighty. Sorry. <laughs> okay, okay, you win, Dango. You win. <laughs> it's very important to him, Eric. It's it very is. important. Fast, uh, all right. That's the punch. Okay, what? Yeah. You you talked a little bit about the poison atmosphere in Ottawa because for me, okay, this this very day nine months ago. Ottawa lost in double overtime to, yeah. Pets, to Pittsburgh. It's nine months ago today it happened. So nine months ago, we're talking about a team that's a goal away from the Stanley Cup Finals. Now we're here, and I want to talk about, a little bit about that that culture that keep people keep referencing. You guys are you, you as reporters. It's like it's it, I, I say this to CJ all the time. I'm like, you, I wish you would say ten minutes on whatever it is you just said. And I, I want to talk about this culture because the. Um, from what we've heard, there was some sort of incident where Pierre Dorian went into the Ottawa Senators' dressing room, and I wanted to know if you know anything about oh, this. Yeah. And they refused to turn down the music to talk to him or something like that, and that's 
where this is uh, some of this has come from have you heard anything about that no and i don't i don't buy into those things i even saw some crazy tweet from some nobody who has you know has quoted no sources whatsoever is it's not attached, yeah, yeah it's not attached to any media outlet or anything like that and it literally had people respected people that i respect in the media responding to him as if like what he was saying was the gospel i retreated and said wait a second is this true his own 300 350 dollar uber anyways Look at the Kyle Turris scenario. How many players in Ottawa do you think were happy with the fact that Kyle Turris ended up traded off that team and that he wouldn't be paid to stay and that things went the way they did with the reports coming out that, you know, they wouldn't offer him the term that he was after and he wouldn't sign for the term. all, All things considered, nobody was happy in Ottawa about the fact that he was moving. He was a huge part of that team. The players loved him. That was really tough for Matt Duchesne coming into that atmosphere, knowing how disappointed everybody was. But that was kind of like the last straw in a, in a series of things that have happened in Ottawa that have, that have made a, for a sour situation there. And, yeah, you know, you talk about where they were last year. They were obviously um, riding the inspiration of what happened with Craig Anderson and his Mm -hmm. wife, Nicole, which was very unfortunate and terrible, but also galvanized their team and brought them together. Um, And, and that's an important thing in sports that we often ignore and we just dismiss as, Oh, intangible and it doesn't matter. And you can't measure it. Uh, It does matter. You know, teams that come together have a good chance of winning. I look at Boston in 2011 uh, and I remember walking into their room in the middle of the season and looking around and seeing the atmosphere in there and talking to the players and walking out of their room and saying, this team is going to win the Stanley Cup. Like, they would die for each other. And I, I had never quite seen an atmosphere like that in any other room that I had walked into. And I walked into all 30 up until this year becoming 31 uh, for 11 years now. So sometimes you see something, you recognize it, and, and you know what it is. And there was an element of that in Ottawa last year and what they were able to do and, and how they were able to rally. But, you know, there's, there's a number of elements from mostly emanating from the top and ownership to, in my opinion, the way Guy Boucher coaches the team to players being lost that were key members of the team to the direction they're taking to, to Carlson's, potential availability because of what he might command on the market. I mean, there's, there's enough reasons that add up to that toxicity that we're referring to. And I, you know, that's as far as I can go, as far as my knowledge takes me, you know, the rest is just my opinion. And and that's why maybe someone like me or someone like CJ or, or anybody else who's a lot more respected than me would, would be shy to, to specifically reference things they've heard of. And that that goes to establishing trust with the people that tell you things that, you know, they expect you to keep to yourself. And believe me, uh, you know, I always try and share what I know and what I, what I can share, but there's plenty of stuff that I, I can't put on the record because I'm sworn to secrecy about it. And I respect the people that tell me and I'm happy to to earn their trust and keep it. Tell us everything. (laughs) Break the trust. (laughs) uh, Hey, to bring this full circle. So we were talking shortly before we called, uh, Reichel and Valiev. Uh, is there any shot they get in the Habs lineup? For sure. I mean, if they're here, if they're here beyond tomorrow, which I expect they will be, um, you know, they're in Laval for now. I don't know how many roster roster spots end up 
freed up. I think, you know, Valia will have a good chance to, yeah. to get a look up in Montreal. That, to me, seems like a no-brainer. You can have as many players up with the team post-deadline as you want to have. So that's another factor. I think, you know, right now in Laval, they're far out of the playoff picture, but they have a chance to make a run if those two players can help them do it. Maybe potentially the Canadians will want them to do that uh, and maybe a couple more off their roster. Um period so there's every reason to believe they're going to get a look at some point in Montreal mm-hmm. and there's also reason to believe though that they weren't you know among the top 10 prospects and what I would refer to as one of the richest prospect pools uh, in the NHL in Toronto um, there's reason to believe that they have NHL potential both of those players yep. and you know I, I spoke to Warren Reichel this morning who's Kirby's father just briefly and said, you know, this is a, this is a great opportunity for your son, and he agrees. And uh, as far as what I know about Valia, uh, I think you know there's some sentiment around the league that he's a player that that could play in the NHL down the line. And uh, I think you know with all the guys that were ahead of him, be it you know Borgman or or Dermot, and I, I think you know he wasn't going to get that chance in Toronto, but he certainly gets it in Montreal. So again, that's part of the reason why this is a, a good deal for Montreal. Early in the season and at times last season, whenever asked about guys in the Marlies, Babcock frequently brought up value of as a guy he liked. So I was so I, I don't know. I mean, you got to give up something to get something, I think is the saying and uh, uh, I wasn't surprised to see Montreal ask for him. It's, 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 you know, it's great when it can work out that way that Montreal ends up with those types of players that even though they're not at the top of the list for Toronto, they could still have an NHL future. And it's also great for Toronto to be able to move two prospects out of their pool that don't affect the overall picture of what they're building towards in the future. And, and, you know, the guys that they have stock in and they believe in. So, I mean, it's, 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 you know, I think more and more, which it really wasn't the case going back over the last number of years, but certainly over the last two, three years, we're seeing more and more deals in the NHL that really work for both teams. Yep. And I don't know if that's, I mean, the cap has its negatives. I mean, it seems though Ottawa can't make a deal without getting three teams involved. But, <laughs> I, I, you know, the, 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 the positives are that there's been more equitable trade because teams are so careful about what they're giving up in terms of futures. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, the NHL is graduating more 18 and 19-year-olds than it ever has before. It's it's that type of game, you know. You go back five years with a dramatic change, which which people really ignored, was the elimination of the middle class. And those 30-year-old players who would have served as third-line players all over the NHL ended up on PTOs. Like, you know, Thomas Fleischman coming to Montreal a couple of years ago on a PTO, a guy that, you know, had a, been a consistent somewhat of a 20 goal scorer and the minute he had 30, it was like, that was it. You know, the money isn't there for those guys to sign those four year deals worth $5 million a year anymore. And that elimination process has led to all these young players coming into the league and being trusted. And I think it took a few outliers to prove that if you give those players a chance early on in their careers and give them reasonable opportunity to play in specific situations, 
they'll prove to you that they can do good things. And I know this is topical, especially speaking of two guys, the three guys in Toronto right now, uh, you know, with all the, the controversy over what Babcock does with his roster on a nightly basis. And it's just the same here in, in Montreal with Claude Julien. Uh, I wouldn't call him a Babcock disciple, but the two of them certainly see eye to eye on a lot of things. Um, it's still... I still see both rosters here putting young players in positions to succeed and and relying on more of them than they ever would have in the past, regardless of how slow that process looks to be at times. Well, damn, Eric. Uh, yeah. Before the conversation started, you're like, you can have us for, you can have me for an hour, and we laughed about it, and then I think that's what we did. So, <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on, man, especially, especially on in short notice. Yeah, and deadline within 24 hours of the deadline, which is crazy. Well, you caught me in a good window. The Canadians already made one trade, and you know we'll wait on the other ones, and none of them have happened while we were on the phone. So I think good, there might be more today. Yeah. Where can we yeah, read all your stuff, possibly. Eric? Yeah, look forward to it. The Play Canada's piece should be up on Sportsnet now that we've been on the phone for a while. <laughs> and, uh, it gives, it'll give Leafs fans a really good perspective on nice. what they're getting, and Canadians fans a really good perspective on why, why Mark Bergevin made this a better deal than what it could have been. It's entitled Cooperation with Placanic could make Canadians trade even better. And I believe it is the top item on sportsnet.ca right now. Mm-hmm. Not, not so bad, Good sir. Stuff. All right. Hey, <laughs> hey, so thank you so much, Eric Engels. Uh, sportsnet.ca, make sure you check out the call. Make sure you follow him at Eric Engels on Twitter. And Eric, uh, we, we might be bugging you again in a couple days after Montreal trades everybody uh, I else. I hope you will. I hope you will. I like talking <laughs> to you guys. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate the time. Feeling is mutual. Right, take care. Steve? Yeah, so I wanted to start with a couple things just feeding off that conversation. So Kyle Bond, who hasn't had the most fantastic season, but he's going to be joining the Marlies. He's actually the grandson of Bobby Bond. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, Leafs legend. So we should who, break his leg too. Yeah, and he'll play even better. Yeah, Bobby Bond broke his leg in Game 6 of the 1964 Stanley Cup Final, scored the overtime winner on a broken leg, and then the Leafs went on to win Game 7 against the Detroit Red Wings and win the Stanley Cup. Uh, the other one... From their last game, I think it was. Here's the Toronto Marlies lineup. Okay. Andreas Johnson, Miro Alton, and Dimitro Timoshov. That's your top line. Second line, Trevor Moore, I think it's Chris Mueller, and Ben Smith, who's the Marlies captain and I think leading scorer. Mm-hmm. Kirby Reichel, Freddie Gauthier, Colin Greening, Mason Marchman, Adam Brooks, Jeremy Bracco on fourth line there. Their defense, Borgman and Marinson, Rosen and Loverdi. Nielsen and Lilligren. So Valiev wasn't even playing. Valiev wasn't even playing, but like I mean, in the AHL you play three and threes, so maybe it was just his night off. Mm-hmm. Hall wasn't in the lineup either. I think he might be hurt. He has he got to the face about a week ago. Altonen scored an amazing highlight reel goal and then was knocked out uh by a questionable play by former Leaf Seth Griffith. Mm. Um so anyway, Reichel comes out of the lineup at third line left wing on the Marlies. And um, Valiev wasn't even in the lineup there. And I mean, look at that again. Borgman, Marinson, Rosen, Laverde, Nilsson, Lilligren. The Leafs have Valiev replacements. The Leafs have Reichel replacements. Martins Jerkals is in the minors, or like in the ECHL, the minors of the minors mm-hmm. right now. Um, they could call him up and plug him in there. I think they got a couple other prospects. There's a, Jeez. one thing you can't replace. That's a second round pick that you give away. That is difficult. Right, that is difficult. But the argument might be they already have so many players, and you get a guy like Johnson or Johnson, sorry, in the seventh round, and it makes you able to spend a second round pick with some security. I don't, 
Like, God, if the Habs just nail it with that second round the pick, next though, PK. it's going to hurt. Uh, That's a, ah, ah, the Leafs uh, also have, I think it's seven players who are 31 and over, and now four guys who are 35 and over. Does that concern you for the playoffs? No. Everybody's so old? No, no because, <laughs> I mean, that changes very quickly, as we've seen. And also, like, look at the role the guys are playing. Like, Matthews, Nylander, I think, is Hyman 25 yet? He might have just turned 25. 24 or 25. Marner, Kapanen is getting a bigger role. Janssen is going to be on this team next year unless there's a trade. Uh, I'm a 25. Yeah, Lilligren is going to make the team at some point. Um, so, yeah, there are some older guys in the lineup, but the biggest impact guys are still the, the young ones, mm-hmm. if you will. There are still trades we haven't even gotten to. Well, and that's the thing. So, like, <laughs> And this is our pre-deadline show. Yeah, yeah. This isn't even the post-deadline show. So the next thing, obviously, and we spoke about it a little bit with Eric Engels, is the Rick Nash trade. And so, again... The Bruins get Rick Nash and Matt Bolesky's half contract. Sorry, one more thing from Lance Hornby. Placanets were number 14 with the Habs. That will have to change unless Dave Keon is in a really good mood because his <laughs> number is retired. Right. Hmm, interesting. Uh, the Bruins, I, I don't That's cool, man. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was contributing. Bruins get half of Matt Bolesky's contract with Matt Bolesky, the guy. They get Rick Nash. Uh, sorry, they get rid of Bolesky. What am I saying? Bruins get Rick Nash. Rangers get... A first, a seventh next year, Matt Bolesky, Ryan Spooner, Ryan Lindgren. <coughs> That's weird to me. That, no, I need a seventh in there or else forget it. That is funny, isn't it? The I seventh just is in there. And, and, and I wonder how that conversation starts. Does one GM go, and I need a seventh? The other guy goes, don't be a dick. <laughs> the other GM responds, you don't be a dick. It's a seventh. Were you scared? <laughs> like, I wonder how childish it I, gets. Yeah, I wonder. Here's... <sighs> The one thing, the one thing about Rick Nash, and I didn't bring this up with Eric uh, because we're running out of time, but Rick Nash has 15 goals in 77 career playoff games. Wow, really? If you remember when the Rangers went to the finals two or three years ago, one of the things that was that people kept talking about was Rick Nash not scoring. I do remember that, and I'm not saying Boston's not a better team. I don't know that they are or they're not. Um, I mean, it, Eric seemed pretty convinced that they were. Uh, and this, for sure, I mean, I think it would be a huge mental boost. But I wonder, and I brought up the word reputation, and I, I feel like we see this more and more um, recently, where we've seen it more and more recently, where people are made, people are traded based on reputation rather than the results of this particular season. For instance, Rick Nash apparently is, what, what is he on, a... Uh, they're saying he's on a 38-point pace this year. That's pretty bad. Spooner was on a 53-point pace. It's not all about points. Sure. I'm sure some people are um, But I, my, my question with Rick Nash is, is Rick Nash still worth that much? What is, is it more than just the points that he's putting up? Fine. Maybe it is. Uh, but I, I have a hard time with, if I'm paying that, I would like Max Pacioretty. That's what I would like for that, that amount of money. Poor Spooner. That, he's, he's done a lot of bouncing around in his career. He was, and he's, this is the first year of his big uh, contract. Traded in junior, 
bouncing between the AHL and the NHL, finally sort of gets established, gets traded to the Rangers. I heard he's strange. Not a jerk, just strange. I wonder if he strained with his teammates in Boston at all. I don't know. I he mean, he's buried. a good player. Apparently he was buried, so I'm not sure. But. I don't know. Back to Adam's point. Friedman wrote in, I think, the most recent 31 Thoughts that players want to be like rewarded for playing well. And mm-hmm. I think this is more of that case. The, the Boston management is like, okay, you guys have outpaced so much of expectations going this season. Nobody thought Boston was no, in this no, position. No, you're right. And look how well they play. And the players want to be like, okay, hey, we did our job. Now you go out and help us. And I think bringing in a guy like Rick Nash is more mental than it is on ice performance because they're like, hey, we did this great job. We got into mm. the second place in the conference. Here's Rick Nash for you guys. Go out and win. I think that mentally will help Boston more than it will bringing in a guy who's going to score goals. And to your point... Um, I a lot of Bruins fans I saw reacting to this. They seem to think Nash is likely to play with David Krejci, who has been a bit of a like a miracle worker. Like whoever is yeah. on his wing kind of turns to gold. He's really good at taking uh, bigger forwards, kind of power forwards, and making them good. I wonder how much this is stupid. This is so dumb. I might as well just have it tumble out of my head anyway. How much did last night's game against the Bruins... <laughs> Dude, when you, whenever you preface something, you should always say, hey, this is going to be dumb. It's going to be dumb. <laughs> How much did last night's game change anything? Did it change anything? Because the Leafs ran the Bruins show for they, quite a chunk of that did. game. And I was shocked. But the Bruins also almost won. So? They almost won, but it, <laughs> like teams... I don't think... I think all of Tampa, Boston, and Toronto want to win the Atlantic Division, but I think what they're much more concerned about is how they play down the stretch. They all know they're getting in. They all know they're getting in. How they play each other matters. It matters. They want to look good in the games they play, and against the Leafs especially, that game was ripe for the taking. For crying out loud, the Leafs didn't have Matthews. That's the second time, I believe, that the Leafs have beaten the Bruins this season without Matthews in the lineup. I was at the first one. Marlowe scored the OT winner. Now the Bruins were a lot more banged up there. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget, Bergeron also left this game in a walking boot. Uh, now, apparently that's not all that bad. Yeah. That was precautionary, no? and it's not that bad. Yeah. He'll be back. All right. Okay, well, that's uh, fine. The Atlantic is an all-out arms race. This ain't a scene. It's a goddamn arms race. Somebody asked me boy. What, once that Rick Nash deal happened, and this is before Placanics was, was, was dealt to the least. They said, you know, how do you think the Leafs in Tampa Bay will react to this? And I, I don't think they react to this. There's not, the Leafs there's in Tampa three. are not going to make reactive, these are not reactive, Steve Eisman and Lou Lamorello are not reactive general managers. They're active general managers. They're, they have their, and, and as you heard Eric say, the Leafs have been in on mechanics for three or four weeks, mm-hmm. at least. So there's a, they're going to make their moves. Boston's going to make their moves. But I don't think that any of those teams are going to just react to each other. Oh, well, they got, they got Rick Nash or they got Ryan McDonough or they got Eric Carlson or whatever it is. We, we have to go do something. I don't think that's what any general manager is going to do. And if you look at these three teams, there is no reason why a general manager couldn't just be confident in what they have. Of all the teams lined up, I mean, I think the Leafs have the biggest hole on defense. But it's not as though Tampa is without... You know they 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 have some weaknesses too. Is they have less of them. Well, uh, <laughs> has put up a ton of points this season, but like he's not marvelous in his own end. Mm-hmm. Holy crap, Carlson! That'd be incredible. And also for the trade deadline coverage, 
if Carlson gets traded tomorrow, it's it's like any it's like any good uh, like UFC fight card. No one remembers the undercard as long as the main event delivers. Yep. The night uh, there there was a fight card in Australia. The first four fights were farts. Fifth fight, Holly Holm kicks Ronda Rousey in the head. Huge upset, wins the women's title. That's what I remember from that night. Mm-hmm. I didn't leave disappointed. As, as long as the big fish happens, I, I think we have a very successful deadline and won't be boring television at all. And also, all these trades that are happening today, even though it's not on deadline day, they just happen. We're less than 24 hours out now. Yeah. Actually, I think literally, yeah, at the time we're recording this, it's just coming up on 3 o'clock. Rick Nash, to me, is, a, is still a reputation trade. I think... I like, don't love it. Evander Kane... Has more points. Max Pacioretty is a better player. Are they going to fetch much more? Is Evander Kane going to even even fetch close to as much? Let's let's say Nash is better than Spooner. All right. So let's let's say that it is handy to get Bolesky's cap hit off. I suppose that's a marginal improvement to that lineup for a heavy price. I don't know. I don't know how much I love that. Unless he, he, and you know what? Now that we're talking about it, he'll probably set the world on fire and go go on a crazy streak oh. and end up with 50 goals. Oh, dude, if he, <laughs> if he turns back the clock and he's Nash of four or five years ago, great. Should we also mention that Boston picked up Gionta? Hey, that's okay. So, you know, some people are just evil, terrible people. And so I'd like to call out Andrew Berkshire for sending me a text that the Boston Bruins signed Brian Gionta just so he could brain... Frederick Anderson in the playoffs, just like he did to James Reimer. <laughs> Some people just aren't good people. I, I respect him for remembering that. That's amazing. I don't. <laughs> I disrespect him always. Uh, Rick Nash's 42 goal season was in 14-15, by the way. So it wasn't wow. that long ago. Wow. Yeah. And uh, hmm. 23 goals in 67 games, not last season, but year before. I mean, it's... Oh, no, that was last season. 23 goals last season. So not bad. 67 games. Yeah, so I think he... Yeah, I don't know, everyone's talking about his 38-point pace. Let's be honest, guys. He's probably better than that. Mm-hmm. How much better is the question, right? It's very interesting for the Bruins. Very, very interesting. And then there's this three-way deal. We, we were just sort of talking uh, about this yeah, before the show. Yeah, there was another show. trade. <laughs> yeah, there was another trade. So uh, it's amazing. All these GMs, they make like millions of dollars. They had careers as... NHL players, a lot of them have been executives for years, some of them 10 plus, mm-hmm. you know, even before they became general managers. And really, it's just a copycat league. Hey, uh, Patrick Waugh, who just got here as a head coach, started pulling his goalie early. Let's try that. And now everyone does it. Um, hey, no one does three way trades, no one's done it for like a decade and a half, 15 years. One team does a three-way deal. Hey, you know what? Three-way deal. Let's do three or four of them in a in like a three-month. I can't span. wait till restricted free agents start getting offer sheets. It's going to be fun, dude. Who gonna, knows? Might become the trend. One of these days, it's going to happen. Might become the trend. There's more and more people getting into NHL uh, front offices that show you the information. Uh, you know the cost. You know if you pay this pick, that pick, that pick. Who say it's actually worth it for certain guys? What are the odds that anyone you draft turns out to be Leon Dreisaitl, for example? Or David Pasternak was another guy who was vulnerable for a long time. Pretty rare. 
And you're you, so you're talking about three way trades. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers traded Mark Letestu to the Preds for Pontius Aberg. Uh, Nashville then traded Letestu to the Blue Jackets for a fourth round pick. The Blue Jackets is fourth round. Four Blue Jackets, four. So Nashville okay. ends up with the fourth rounder. Edmonton ends up with Aberg, and the Blue Jackets end up with Latestu. Sorry, one more time. What did the Preds get? We went over this three times in the car. I know, and you're and like, I still good, got it. it. I know, man, I don't anymore. The Preds have I don't a fourth round pick in this. And that's it. Yeah, I don't know why they needed to be a part of it. Why didn't you just trade? Like, Because Aberg was a second round pick. I thought he was decent. Well, they had they put a lot of I think unfair expectations going on to him in this year, and then so yeah. Anyway, Aberg's now with the Oilers. I don't understand that. Yeah. Um, I guess that's why I heard you. <laughs> I heard you the first time. I just don't understand why they did it. Yeah, and he's had a rough year, but maybe he's oh. he's, he's some of the speed they're looking for on the wing. Speaking of don't understand why they did it, we haven't even gotten to Broussard. No, we'll get there. We're <laughs> getting there. Okay. We're moving. Um, I do want to talk about the, the Ottawa Senators because, again, the Ottawa Senators in double overtime lost May 25th, 2017. That is exactly nine months ago today at the recording of this podcast. And by the way, pro- by the time you listen to this podcast, it'll probably be completely out of date anyway. Um, you know how many like babies were born in Pittsburgh today? <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, maybe. I, what I can't... What's, what's mind-blowing to me and it all seems to stem from the tourist situation. The tourist trade kicked off a bunch of bad stuff really in Ottawa. It really does seem like the day the Sens died. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so, you know, like Ottawa won the Matt Duchesne sweepstakes and has fallen off a cliff. And it's, it's crazy because you, you got to think about who's leaving already. You get Tourist, Broussard, and Phaneuf already gone. More on the way, probably. Hoffman could have been gone if he wanted to go to Winnipeg. And by the way, I have no idea why he wouldn't want to go to Winnipeg. That's, that's dumb. Yeah, no. That's I, a dumb move. You want to oh, stay yeah. Yeah. with the Senators, I man? Liked, I like what Fried said about that. You're nuts. Like, You're nuts. Man, you only get so many chances at this. Uh, you don't need to live there all the time. Uh-uh. You're going to be on the road half the time. Like, what's Canada that awesome? Like, come on, man. Yeah, really. Get out of town, win a cup. So, Broussard... You'd, you'd be joining... You'd be part of probably the best offense in the NHL. Yeah. And and how much is that just, just going to beef your stats up? Look at Patrick Maroon. What was Patrick Maroon before he was playing with Connor McDavid? A third-round pick. That's how the Oilers got him. That's like the best move that they've made in a long time. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I don't understand the thinking there. And now, like, I'd love to know where he ends up. And I'd love to know how they do and where he could have been instead. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Watch where do you team, think uh, Ian Cole he, ends up? The well, yeah, team he goes to so ends up beating Ian Cole has Sorry. not even left Pittsburgh. Yeah, because they don't want to do the, um, <laughs> the, paperwork. the immigration paperwork, so they're not bringing him to they're Canada. Like, you just stay there. We'll flip you. Yeah. I, I think so you, I think we have that to expect, If Nick right? Holden gets you a third, then Ian Cole's got to be a third. Mm-hmm. At least. Has to be. Ottawa has one pick in the first three rounds, and that's Pittsburgh's first round pick. What? Because they, they trade away their third. Um, in the Broussard deal. So they don't have a third round pick. They don't have a second round pick, which is straight away in July of 2018. In a, but in a but they got Detroit. a sliding pick. They could get the pick this year that they've traded in the Duchesne deal. Yes. Oh, so they might have right. two first rounders. Oh, that's so bad. Oh, also, so sorry, I was doing some research earlier today. But yeah, Ian Cole. Somewhere. Going back to the Rick Nash trade, there's something I forgot. So the Bruins gave up a lot in terms of picks and a uh, little bit in prospects. What? Where are we going? Where are we going? Is this relating to Ottawa? 
Yeah, it is. Oh, okay. All right. Because <laughs> back to the Rick Nash deal. No, it, it, it does relate. Okay, right, it does right. relate. So Ottawa doesn't have many picks coming right now. But one one thing that's going on in the Atlantic Division right now, the Marlies are first place and they're on like a record breaking pace. Belleville, well out of the playoffs. Laval, well out of the playoffs. So those are two teams within the Atlantic who are rebuilding and don't have much in the cupboard. So they're like, they're kind of at base level there. Boston gave up a lot, but in the past three drafts, they've had six first-round picks mm-hmm. and 11 picks in the first two rounds. Wow. I don't think they're sweating the first-round pick too much. And out of those first-round picks from the last three drafts, one is David Pasternak. Mm-hmm. And the Another's other, Charlie McAvoy. And then there was three together, yeah. 12, 13, 14. One of whom was DeBrusque, who scored against the Leafs last night, and I think that was his 12th goal of the season as a rookie. So, like, uh, Boston is... They're fine. They're in as good of a position as any team in the NHL. They're a great combination of experienced uh, and expensive and young and cheap. Yep. And I mean, Bergeron's on a sweet deal too. So. Derek Broussard, that that deal was very, very interesting because it was so complicated. And Jim Rutherford sat down and said, this is the most complicated deal I've ever done. To me, the most interesting thing about the Broussard deal was A, Don Cherry being so upset about Ryan Reeves leaving Pittsburgh. That was my favorite. And Crosby too. Did you see, did you see Goja's Corner last night? Uh... I did not. They was just getting home. He used, he said, uh, he was talking about what Mathot, and I encourage you to go out on sportsnet.ca and watch it. Uh, he was talking about what Mathot did to Crosby and that that Ryan Reeves there, Crosby's played every game this year because Ryan Reeves is there. And then he shows a clip of Austin Matthews getting hit sandwiched between two Islanders and hurting his shoulder and going, you think that that hit happens if Matt Martin's there? Yeah, yeah, the hit still I happens do. if Matt Murray's there. How many guys, shifts? It's a hockey hit. Stop. <laughs> no, you guys are making a lot of assumptions. I think Matt Martin would have protected Matthews. I just keep thinking back to the Simpsons. In Lisa, I would like to buy your tiger repelling rock. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Reeves is interesting. What's more interesting is that is that now or that the Vegas would take him. Like why do they? Why do Vegas need Ryan Reeves? Well, supposedly George McPhee likes him. Okay, because a lot of people were going, "Well, it's payback for the second round pick they it randomly got." It absolutely is. It absolutely is. Hundred percent. It's. Yeah, why would you do that? Wait, 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 wait. How was it payback? There's pay, no, there's remember, a, we were like, "Why the hell did Pittsburgh give up a second round pick?" George McPhee is nice and fat and happy in Vegas yeah. right now, and he's going, "Thanks, buddy." Thanks, buddy. A hundred percent. Look at their involvement. Pull up the full trade. Look at their involvement the in this trade. Why is Vegas there? Why is Vegas there? Take they're helping salary. out a pal. That's it. They got a f- they're paid like over two million dollars for a fourth round pick. Which, yeah, I know the Leafs did that for Eric Fair, <laughs> basically. But they also I think they got a pick in exchange for Eric Fair, so that was kind of cool. And he actually played some games for the team. But <laughs> Vegas is almost straight up. Just paying. Why is Vegas paying Derek Broussard anything? Come on. George McPhee did Jim Rutherford an enormous solid. He might be handing him the Stanley Cup this year. When Or, at very least, a berth in the Stanley Cup Finals where their two teams can duke it out and the winner gets the Cup and Marc-Andre Fleury. <laughs> when Ryan Reeves is the most valuable player in the playoffs, you're going to be biting I your, bet. Your, your I will tongue. bite all. He's just going to pull a Claude Lemieux. I will just be incredible. 
I don't Here. mind. So, what does everyone get? You can read it. Go. Sure. Pittsburgh Penguins acquire Derek Broussard, Vincent Dunn, not to be confused with super rookie Vincent Dunn in the St. Louis Blues, because I was like, what the hell? Derek Broussard, Vincent Dunn, and a third round pick in 2018. So they ended up with a third round. They got Broussard and a third round pick from Ottawa. Like, because life's not fair. Why? Chicago, you're off the hook. Why did they get a third round pick? Chicago, you're off the hook. We're mad at Pittsburgh now. Ottawa Senators acquire Philip Gustafson, who is supposedly a very good uh, goaltending prospect. First round draft pick in 2018, which is pretty great on account of the traded one. Yep. Uh, so 31st overall. And uh, third round pick in 2019. So awesome. that's nice. Vegas gets Ryan Reeves. And a fourth round draft pick in 2018. And that also doesn't mention that they're retaining half on Derek Broussard, which carries over to next year. Now, okay, something that confused me there. Uh, so Broussard's actual money owed next season, I think, is 3.5. His cap hit is five. So doesn't that mean they're on the hook for 2.5 against the cap next season? Vegas? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Vegas will be so They have under a lot of cap room. It doesn't really matter. They have a lot. I think they bought a fourth round pick. Yeah. And I guess Ryan Reeves? Ryan Reeves is going to do well in the playoffs. He's built for it. I'm sure. Penguin, like, were you still one of the most Bruck teams in the NHL this season? Like, it, you got injury, you traded f- to get injury repellent from St. Louis and continue to get injured. But, oh, the protector's gone. I'll, I'll never understand hockey players, dude. I'll never understand. I get it. I get it. And maybe there's something to it. Every every single hockey player says there's something to it. There has to be something to it. But I, I just don't see it, my friend. And neither does the coach. You got a problem with me, you take it up with Mike Sullivan, who healthy scratched the guy. You take it up with your back-to-back Stanley Cup winning coach who scratched him. Take it up with him. You take it up with that blogging nerd, Mike Sullivan, and what he thinks about enforcers these days. Okay? <laughs> I'm not crazy. What? Why are you laughing? <laughs> Tampa Bay. Oh, Ryan Reeves on you. Tampa Bay and the Predators. Plus, a couple of unnamed, unnamed teams are poking around on Eric Carlson, which I find interesting. So, what I loved about Elliot Friedman, headlines, by the way, just can't miss right now, especially mm-hmm. like uh, last night. Last but, night I tweeted, I'm like, everyone, shut up. Yeah, headlines is on. Ron Burgundy is on times four. So, <laughs> David, David Poyle, who I hope, I hope this is what he's doing. He could be in there just driving up the price on Carlson for Iserman. <laughs> That's the he's like. I think he might just be in there driving up the price. But there are two other teams, and you got to think that one of them is Vegas. So I got to go back to the Broussard deal. It relates. I promise. Okay. So one of the things there. <laughs> are you going back to the Rick Nash deal too? Yes, I am. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so one of the things I think Friedman. I can't remember if he talked about this on headlines or he was tweeting about it. There was a rumor that a Western team was hard in on Broussard. So mm-hmm. part of what Vegas gets out of this deal is, you know, because, I mean, let's pretend Vegas makes it to the cup final and it's against Pittsburgh. The line was we'd rather play him in round four than two. So what the hell does Vegas get out of this deal? Part of what they get out of More it, home playoff dates. <laughs> yep. No one else gets them. No one else in the West gets them. Too bad. So we will, the, you know, the, what is it? The enemy of my enemy is my friend? Yep. So that's a little bit of what's going on, I think. So it's interesting to see David Poyle 
maybe doing a little bit of meddling of his own. I think there's a lot more of that that goes on in the NHL than we even know. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. You you don't hear too much about trades that don't happen. I'm not saying the Eric Carlson deal does happen. But if it does, uh, it will not involve, according to Joe Smith, Lightning Reporter, Yanni Gord or Braden Point. I heard that yesterday. There is no way the Tampa Bay Lightning give up, uh, especially Braden Point. That's what I, yeah. I'm like, Yanni Gord, you sign as a free agent. You can replace that. Like, I could see Braden Point is is like, I think he's center of the future there. He's, Mm -hmm. there's no chance. There's no chance. Yeah. Domestikov, maybe, and Friedman seem to agree. Um, There's just no way. Um, What will be interesting for, for Ottawa, and I think interesting for Montreal in this, given what Rick Nash brought in. The, the pressure has to be on Dorian and Bergevin because if Pacioretty doesn't bring in what Nash does, that's not going to look good. If Carlson doesn't bring in a lot more than what Nash and Pacioretty get, and, and, and the problem with Ottawa right now is they don't hold any of the cards. They're trading the best player, yeah. and yet they're the ones at the disadvantage. They and that's three, what's crazy. They put three guys on waivers today. Oduya, Burroughs, and... Is it Jim O'Brien? O'Brien and Burroughs, yeah. So the the plan is simple, and this is the, again, it goes kind of back to what Engels was saying. This goes back to the terrifying reality of the Ottawa centers. It's not just that they're rebuilding. They are purging Yeah, because they're broke. They're broke. They're giving away assets. That's not what you do in a rebuild. And and I'm also looking at this. Um, this is according to Travis Yost. He, he had a couple important, uh, important tweets he today. Did. But Ottawa just wrapped up what one source calls the worst first week of ticket renewals in organization history. Payroll downgaging is going to be a common theme. So, like, we're not talking about players here, you know. We're talking about, like, full-on finances. Yeah, Sponsors we're, might we're start pulling out. We're talking about regular people in Ottawa. Ottawa residents, just regular folks losing their jobs here. Because this team is freaking broke. Is well, the team broke or is the owner broke? Sounds like the owner I guess broke. it's both. Technically, well, and and but. why not a guy like if you're if you're um, I I doubt Oduya and Burroughs get claimed. If they do, that's fine. But if you have Oduya and Burroughs, yeah, if they cl- if they clear, that makes them more valuable. I don't know if you need a, a Burroughs because he's got like eight points this year and he's got another year on his deal. But a Johnny Oduya could be depth for you. You know, your six seven I think, guy. I think they're both just good enough to. I'm surprised you weren't able to get a depth pick for them, but I think they're both just good enough. To get claimed on waivers, which I think is what the Sens are banking on. So they want them to get claimed. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, please. It's a fire sale. Take them. Take them. I think it's a good day to be a Belleville Sen. <laughs> because you, you might have a job in the NHL tomorrow. Oh, you're going to stink. You're going to get steamrolled every night. Unless you don't. It's the NHL. Weird stuff happens. But uh, yeah, it, uh, it can't be a good time to be a member of that organization so you, in any way, shape, or form. You have to get rid of Bobby Ryan with Carlson then, just to save money. His team's boned. His team's boned. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Bonk's mullet, who's a great sense follow on so Twitter. So funny. Yeah, he was tweeting about it yesterday, and just like, even like Leafs fans, like like we just don't have the heart to like, spitefully rip on them anymore it's bad like it's yeah, bad no, this we're not talking about a team that's struggling or having an off year we're not talking about even like like a team like Colorado last year where it was just a comedy of errors like everything that could possibly go wrong did and they were just a bad hockey team as well yeah but I don't I mm, I looked at them and didn't think they'd be as good as they are now but I knew there was no chance of them replicating 
last season. What was it? Forty-seven points, forty-eight points. Mm-hmm. Even if they finished last, like I knew they would finish at least twenty points up <laughs> on what they had last season. This is we're talking about a team with what exactly? Like what hope of anything? Do they have right now? Well, and that's that was why it was so interesting to hear Eric Engels openly say, "What is you? What is Gary Bettman doing about Eugene Melnick? Like, what a line! That's the line of the show, right there, dude. Like, uh, yeah, we rip on Bettman a lot, but like, this is the sort of thing he's paid to do, and I don't envy him right now. He's got to manage all these crazy egos, and what name a bigger ego in the NHL than <laughs> Eugene Melnick? There aren't many. There aren't many, and this guy is. CEO now. Mm-hmm. Mr. Burns is running the power plant. There are so many Simpsons episodes, and Pierre Dorian is Smithers at best. And it's such a shame because, you know, it's funny. I was reading stuff throughout the season. It sounds like Dorian is a relatively smart guy. Oh, yeah. And like competent managerial guy, and he worked a really long time to get here. Doesn't matter. This thing could follow him forever. Ask John Ferguson Jr. How long a reputation or a, a little uh, stint like this can ruin your reputation? We were making fun of the fact that there was a report that John Ferguson Jr. is one of the prospective GMs for the future Seattle team. And everyone started laughing. Mm-hmm. Guys, this is a completely different scenario. So, so here's here's the thing that I, I, I find interesting about the Ottawa also, situation. Also, that was over 10 years ago. I'm sure he's learned a thing or two. The name no one's talking about in Which trades is Matt Duchesne. Why is Matt Duchesne not going to be traded? Like to me, that's like okay, because because a couple weeks ago, because <laughs> a couple weeks ago it was like, well, no, that's admitting defeat on the Duchesne deal. I think we've Good. admitted defeat now. Yeah. Good. I think it's time. If a guy with an extra year on his deal, which he has at a pretty responsible cap hit for a guy like that, not bad. What is it, six million bucks? Yeah, something like that. What's six million? That's. Fine, you can. That is. If he was a free is agent, there get a that. rule that you can't trade a player that was just been traded to no. your team? No, no, no. Okay. You can you can trade guys several times. That's, that's okay. how the Broussard deal was able to happen because it, it wasn't technically a three way deal. It was a, it was separate mm-hmm. deals because of. By the way, we didn't talk about the fact that that deal got shot down the first time. Yeah, well, because they had to so re, refinagle. When was the last time a deal got shot down and we learned about it by know. the league? But let's go on to Duchesne for a second. Yes, yeah, sorry. Is it because he's been so bad? He's yeah, been good. Well, he's been good recently. Yeah, he's recently, been good he for has. Like three weeks. We know Matt Duchesne's a good player. How long has he though? been a son? Three months? Nah. Yeah. Here, look it that up. Was, November. Look it up. It was yeah. November. Look it up. Go, go through his game by game. I want to know. Yes, Adam? I am just, what I want to say is that I think Matt Duchesne is the guy that moves at the deadline uh, that no one's talking about. Like, here's the thing. You the can least, get so much. You could, can you? <laughs> well, that's the thing. You've got that extra deal. to ice a freaking team. Matt Duchesne played Sorry. 14 games with Colorado, where he had four goals and six assists, 10 points. That's fine. And he played 47 games with Ottawa, where he has 13 goals, 16 assists, 29 points. That's good. Ish. At very Like, <laughs> if you mm-hmm. take into account that he basically didn't score for the first month, uh-huh. That yeah. means he's been on fire recently, doesn't it? On a terrible team. Yeah. And he's got great chemistry with Hoffman. And if you're looking for a centerman, like look at look at um sorry for everybody that I just just got their ear exploded. I banged. So Matt Duchesne to Toronto. Yeah, I like it. Okay. 
Right. Well, I mean, put Tadger on like the wing. Here's the, no, no, but, but that's the thing. Like, I look at a guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I look at a guy like Matt Duchesne, and I don't think there's a way that the Oilers can win trading Ryan Nugent Hopkins. I think you got to look at trading Leon Drysaddle. That's no, a different conversation. No, no, no. The thing that happens next season is the Oilers make an almighty comeback. And it is the Twitter event of the season. Oh, it'll be fun. The Revenge of the Edmonton Oilers Part 2. It's a good point. And this time, I hope it happens. And this time, no one's like, good for you. Like they were two years ago. Everyone's like, that's great. You snapped the streak. They are going to be so much more jaded and angry. It, it's just going to be an entire fan base being Kylo Ren. Like, just, And now we all have to pay. We all have to suffer. <laughs> They're 100% the dark side. Matt, the, the, the best thing about, a lot has been made of the Griffin-Reinhardt trade that gave the Islanders Matt Parzal. And all Oilers fans will say is, <laughs> we wouldn't have picked Parzal anyway. And it's like, that is not a compliment. That's not a good defense. <laughs> One thing I'll never understand about a lot of Oilers fans on Twitter, just a lot, not all of you, is... You can be like, the Oilers suck. Or no, they, no, not you. You're not allowed to say it. They go, the Oilers suck. And you go, yeah, such and such trade was stupid. And they'll go, whoa, hey, asshole. <laughs> what are you talking about? Taylor Hall was a bum and Jordan Everly was a bum and we would have never drafted a bum. I'm like, do you see? How aren't you making a connection with the issue with your team? They can't be shit and you defend every move. At some point, they might have made a mistake, or two, or nine. Well, why are they shit? <laughs> we seem to agree they're shit. Yep. Tell me, you, we got nothing. All right, fine. They just stay that way forever. <laughs> <laughs> I agree, most baffling man. thing. I'm listen. I agree. I'm not your enemy. <laughs> I'm trying to be your friend here and just talk hockey. Well, it's like when you but wrote that article that. last year, it's like, as a Leafs fan, I'm really happy for the success of the Oilers. We don't need your pity, <laughs> <laughs> Toronto fan. <I'm> so pissed. <laughs> this is, anyway. I'm, I'm stealing this from Jim Norton, but they, they got the personality skills of a hornet. <laughs> Just the whole fan base. <laughs> well, I, I can't blame them for being mad right now. But uh, to me, if you're, if you're Ottawa, like if you're the Leafs, and you're looking for I agree. If, Screw the Oilers. Get back to the Leafs. If you're looking for uh you're the Leafs are going to be looking for a third line center next year or this summer. Draft, free agency, trade whatever it is. Mm-hmm. The Leafs are going to be looking for a third line center. A guy like Matt Duchesne, a guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, those guys you, you either you can trade for those guys, you could try to sign like a Paul Stastny who's going to be way too expensive and 34. Uh but like what is your what what's the, like that's a question like is it Nylander? is Nylander going to do that is that what's going to happen if he's, that happens that's he's fine he's audition right now and what a holy terror that friggin line was against the bruins they were pretty good that line think, was absolutely unbelievable do you think wow. that uh, cuz what was the line again it was Nylander in the middle i think Hyman on the left and Marner on the right mm-hmm. Scary. but like the the wingers i think they interchanged cuz like when Marner Scored his goal. He was on the left side of the ice. And Nylander froze the Bruins roster. Guys on the bench fell down. 
<laughs> Did you see the cabin and move on? Uh, oh my god! Yeah. Retire. <laughs> Go home. Take off your skate. He should have s- just sat like on his butt on the ice and undone his skates <laughs> and just started like register for LinkedIn and, and like start finding another so job. The thing is, like, is that holy- the Leafs have got to find a solution at that position. And I, w- I would think going into next year, if Nylander is going to be the third center, and let's talk about the Leafs for a second. Because they have to keep, they have to weigh this stuff. Nylander being the third center is fine because you know there's enough winger support. Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews and Kasperi Kapanen. You know, you'll keep Hyman with him. It's who's his right winger going to be? Whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, and then you, you've got Nylander at center. You've got Kadri at center. To me, it's the thing they're going to have to figure out because they're going to st- want to stop paying second round picks for a fourth line center every deadline. Is what are you going to do at fourth line? And if if Placanix ends up working out, I know that he's a Montreal Canadiens favorite. But if you if he ends up working out really well here, tell me why Toronto doesn't go, listen, what do we got to do to keep you? I'd be interested. I'd be interested. I'd also... Because he's got this, the thing that he has that Brian Boyle didn't. And I thought Brian Boyle should... Re, the Leafs should re-sign Brian Boyle, even though we're not... And it was an expensive contract in New Jersey, but he's still a really great player, and he gave, he gave that fourth-line stability. The thing that he doesn't have is the speed. Blakanix has the speed, and that's what they loved about Patrick Marlowe. If he has the speed to keep up with this young team, that's the perfect fit. So overpay for him. I'd like to see it before, because next year he's going to be 36, so we'll see how he does at 35 going Mm -hmm. into the playoffs, but if he does have the speed, then there's a there there. The Leafs are a huge question mark. And one thing uh, I learned yesterday from Justin Bourne's Twitter that I did not know Mm -hmm. is on top of being an offensive god in the AHL, uh, Andreas Janssen kills penalties. And he's very responsible defensively, and this is coming from a guy who worked for the team. By the way, another thing Bourne said was, uh, I think it was Leafs fans uh, should like this deal, which I found very confusing, because that's a guy who worked for the team, mm-hmm. and two prospects were leaving. I don't know, I, thought, I found that very interesting. But yeah, Janssen's making this team next year. So we know that much, but still at center? I don't know what the answer is. Is I Frederick also- Gauthier out of the question now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's out of the. I mean, eh, it's possible he continues to develop, but like he's got to take a pretty significant jump, and maybe that happens, right? Like he was basically starting from the ground up after breaking his leg. One thing I wonder if it facilitated this trade was Altonen has been playing very well recently, Mm -hmm. and then he got knocked out. So your your security blanket there. I mean, one of the Leafs centers gets injured. Okay, your temporary your temporary fix is Nylander at center, so you try that. What if it stinks? Okay, well, you don't have very much time left, so you try Marlowe at center. Well, what if you're not totally happy with that? What if someone else gets hurt? You got to move more up? Or, like, who's, who's your next call-up? Because with Alton and Hurt, it's GOAT. Mm-hmm. After that, like, who's the next center... Even under contract, well, I think gotta, it's Adam Brooks. You got to you got to have Patrick Marlowe at that point playing center. Well, that, now you're forced into a situation that you don't even want, and we know the player doesn't even want. So, but I think if if it's if it comes down to the playoffs, Patrick Marlowe's not going to care. He's not going to look at you and go, "Listen, coach, I, I understand Patrick Marlowe going. I don't want to play sixty games at center." But if if they if it came down to it, Patrick Marlowe would be like, "Listen, Patrick, we're going for the Stanley Cup. You've never won one of those. Do you have an issue <laughs> playing center?" 
Yeah. He'd be like, uh, no, I don't have a problem. You're I'm, also talking about a scenario where three guys just got injured in your head. It happens. It, it does happens. happen, but it it's also a made-up situation. Last year. Yeah. Yes, it, it is a made-up situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just think it's a great... Well, that's, that's what this whole deadline is all about. Yeah. It's, you're is, trying to look into the future and see what you're going to be a month from now. And then a month from now, you hopefully have a two-month war ahead of you. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all hypothetical, right? You're trying to plan three months out, ideally. It's hard. Placanitz is a great pickup for the Leafs. It's going to be... Yeah. I, I think it's, it's, it's solid depth. It's perfect. Now the question is... Do you go any further? Do you go any further? We know McDonough's on the on on the uh, available, mm-hmm. but if Rick Nash brought A, McDonough's going to bring A plus, and he's a left-handed shot. Not that it matters all that much, but it sort of matters. So you're going to have all you're going to four left-handed shots in your four in your top four on defense. Hey, uh, I'm a defenseman. I have three points in the last four games. I haven't taken a penalty for 14 straight games. Who am I? Roman Polak. Roman frickin' Polak. Credit where credit's due, man. So wait, right. Are you saying Polak for McDonough straight up? Yeah. <laughs> so high. <laughs> no, uh, you know, to Polak's credit, and the, I harp on him, and uh, boy, I sure would still like to see the Leafs upgrade on him. Mm-hmm. But we know the price is probably high, right? And that's maybe something that you address in the offseason instead. Pollock did this last year. Played poorly. Mid-season. Still pretty bad. And then about the last 20 games or so, him and Matt Hunwick too, actually, played really, really well. And Pollock carried that play into the playoffs where he then fell awkwardly and broke his leg. I wonder if he's turning it on again. Because... Uh, no, it couldn't be. I don't know. I don't, yeah. Put it this way. My faith in him is growing. I am well aware he's not a great option there. But my faith in him is growing a Did the Leafs bit. make a move for Ryan McDonough? Nah. Nah. And, hmm, nah. I don't want to even know what that would cost. I don't like the idea of the Leafs making one of these huge picks and prospects deals. Mm-hmm. Like, Placanitz doesn't fall into that. You're giving up a second and a guy who might make it and a guy who might make it. So you're giving up three guys who may or may not even make it. But then you start getting into, like, people are talking about, like, would you trade Lilligren for, like, not McDonough? Actually, I did see a couple of people say yeah, McDonough. No. Absolutely not. Carlson. Well, no, it's not happening. Like Lilligren, ideally Lilligren becomes somewhat similar to Carlson. It's going to be very difficult to get anyone to be even 80% of Carlson, but like they've drafted pretty well at certain parts and they've done a good job of getting this depth. Why is everyone so eager to just give it all away? The Leafs are doing it properly. They're building for sustained success and I don't think they're going to completely blow it all on one playoff run that is two years into the positive end of a rebuild. I just don't see it happening. I don't think they get McDonough. I mean, they're strong on the left side. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like the only part of the defense. The only half, or It's the strongest half of the defense. Um, 
now you're looking at the right and you're looking at overpaying no matter what. And Tanev might not even be back before the playoffs start if you're thinking about him. So maybe that's a move they look at in the offseason. In terms of this deadline, I can't see them doing much more other than, I don't know, maybe you look at, hey, how about you claim Johnny Oduya off waivers? I don't think that it kills you. Why not? Eh. So no JVR deal. No. At 301 <sighs> tomorrow, JVR is a leaf. Yep. Yeah. 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 Is that the right move? Dude, like I'm split down the middle, man. What you could get for him. I'm split down the middle. Is it the yeah, right move? What is the what are you hoping to get? Right? You're, you're hoping you're hoping to get something that makes you great in 2019. Look at them now. He's their second leading goal scorer. When this guy touches the puck, the fucking puck finds some. It's magnetized to the back of the other team's net. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I would have been with you maybe a month or so ago, but holy shit. All this guy does is score goals. And now, like, I mean, he's already playing 10, 12 minutes a night. You know, especially when the Leafs are winning. And the Leafs just got deeper. I, uh, Isn't that a case for you don't need him? I mean, listen, I Keep him. I Keep have him. said in the last show, I Keep think him. he would bring a lot and it would be great and, and, and that sort of thing. But the other side of it is... I bet you could still deal his rights at the draft. Oh, yeah. Not for not nearly as much, yeah. but I bet you could. Um, sure. I, I think with JVR, it's a question of what school of thought you're with. Are you with renting your own players at the dead? You know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. most people are looking for what he brings, right? And the, the, the issue is that if you trade JVR, to me, it's not an effect on the room. I, I think that they would still be a great team or whatever. And, you know, but you don't know what Andreas Johnson looks like or Janssen. He does, you don't know what he looks like. You don't know what he brings at the NHL level. What if he comes up and he loses all his confidence? Like, you just, nah. you just listen, I'm not saying it no, would happen. No, I got you. Okay. But I'm just, but my point is, JVR is, you know what JVR is and you know how to use him. You have a coach that's coached him for almost three seasons now. Yeah. Why not just go for it? You're not going to re-sign him. You can't afford him. Fine. You're you putting, can sh- you can you can train the next guy from training camp on. So that's that's the one side. The other side is you get a whole bunch of assets for him. Okay, so I would like to know what those are. Yeah. Uh, and if and if the Leafs did get an offer that kind of blew them away, and they were able to get someone who was on the verge of say the NHL the way Sergachev was before this season, then it's like okay, well maybe you, maybe you look at that deal. But I don't think. I just don't. I don't see this Leafs team or this Leafs management going. We gotta have them because there's other players in the system. It's the, like the cupboards are not bare. We have Carl Grundstrom as well. If mm-hmm. Boston offered you the exact same package that they they offered for Rick Nash, do you take that for JVR? Uh, no. You can keep Matt Bolesky, and it's gonna have to be more. No. It's gonna have to be more. Okay. I like even, even with the first round pick in there. No. The whole point of getting stuff in a trade is so that you can win the Stanley Cup. And the Leafs are, look, the Atlantic, no one's a gimme. No one. Tampa, Boston, Leafs, it's going to be a dogfight. And the survivor, who will probably be missing several limbs, then gets the great honor of going to the third round. And let's be honest, probably playing the Penguins. And look, winning the Stanley Cup is Watch hard. For Philly. It's hard. So, like, what, there's never, you're never going to have a clear path. The Leafs look at this, they look at their team right now, and they go, you know what? We got a shot. Do you agree that they have a shot? Definitely. Every team has a shot. 
Oh, yeah, I think so. I, I don't think anybody going Go into the playoffs it. this year has better than a 12% shot. Go for it. Go for it. Yeah, that's the funny thing. So teams like Tampa, Boston, and the Leafs, I think what I've seen the same chart. God, what's it from? Like hockey graphs? I don't like those charts, or to be honest. No. They're, they're fun. I think they're fun. Yeah, Hillary Clinton won, so... Wow. <laughs> what? Wow. Half of the comments I've read over the past week. Wow. Um, um, odds of winning, it doesn't it doesn't really mean anything. It changes day to day. You win a game. Why do you hate Nate Silver? Day. Let's let's talk about this. No, uh, uh yeah, those are three of the you know top five teams in the league, whatever, but uh none of them have that high a chance of winning the cup because they all have to go through each other. They all have a one in eight chance to win the cup is what the percentage it is. Pittsburgh won the damn cup last year, and they were in the exact same scenario. In fact, it was worse. Pittsburgh is, uh, man, that center depth is is unbelievable. It's just crazy. Put it up against the Leafs. Yes. I mean, that, yeah. Anyway, I'm 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 excited for what the I Leafs still will give them do. The edge, but holy shit! I think the players that they're going to lose are replaceable guys. My question will be at center. This this what will they do at center? Crosby, Third line center. Malkin, Broussard, Shan. I'm talking about after after playoffs, but yeah. No wait though. Crosby, Malkin, Broussard, Shan up against Matthews, Kadri, Bozak, Plakanitz. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Pittsburgh the edge has is, the edge. Oh, there? decidedly they have but, the edge. <laughs> decidedly now they you have look the, at the edge. wings. Maybe not so much on the wing. I mean, geez, they got Kessel and geez, they got Gensel, but the Leafs have their monsters as well. Now you're looking at defense, goaltending. It's boy, and, oh boy. <laughs> but Chris Letang is back. Remember, Chris Letang isn't missing the playoffs this year. He's going to play. No. So, I, I mean... Well, yeah, but keep in mind that they just lost Ryan Reeves, so now they're all going to get hurt. That's true. So, But if the Leafs don't play Mad Martin, so will they. Yeah. It, no, it, you know what it would have been? It'll just be Mad Martin. The Leafs will just dress mass, Mad Martin and everybody else will be injured, including Penguins players. Mitch Marner got hurt last season. I want to know where Matt Martin was. <laughs> it's a good point. I just hey, want to know. Uh, Mark Latestu uh, and Pat Maroon were told by Peter Shirelli to pack extra outfits ahead of their uh, their road trip. Oh, Obviously, no. Latestu has already been traded. Pat Maroon will be traded. What do you think Pat Maroon brings? Um, Pat Maroon is exactly the sort of player who I wouldn't want to play in a playoff series. Like just big and yeah. Look, it's one thing if I got to play you once every now and again. Four to seven games in a row of him. That's the kind of player who, even if you lose, takes a chunk out of your team. Especially if you're, man, a team like the Leafs, they do not have a ton of size on the back end. We know what the Leafs' decor is good at doing. They move the puck, uh, and they put up a bunch of points. Uh, But they're not big. And poor, like, Nikita Zaitsev. Like, that's a regular-sized dude. And he plays like an absolute honey badger. He's the closest comparable to Sashnikov they have on the back end on account of like he just forgets what size he is. But Zaitsev is exactly the defenseman the Leafs would throw out against Maroon. Mm-hmm. And Maroon would just beat the shit out of him for four to seven games. <laughs> and then even if you win, you go into the next series and Zaitsev's like, I didn't hear no bell. <laughs> <laughs> like, just, just freaking wobbling. Um, so that, that's what he brings. And he's a guy who, you know, you put him with a playmaking center. Um, you know, he can at least keep up with them. He can bang in a few goals. He's a 
big belligerent abusive body in front. I certainly hope he doesn't end up in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, exactly. You nailed it. You nailed it. I hope. Yeah, yeah I hope the West loads up tomorrow. Here's what. Here's what I think is going to happen. Tampa's going to get Carlson, and then they're going to get Maroon because nothing is fair. Oh. So what they'll do is they'll give up Nemestikov, and they'll give up their futures and whatever, and they'll go for it, and they'll have Carlson and whatever, and they'll be dominant for the next year and a half, and they're going to have Maroon, and they're going to steamroll whoever they play in the first Who's round. Who's the bottom wild card right now in the East? It is the Columbus Blue Jackets. So right that now, actually would be, that'd be a tough series. I mean, I think if Tampa, if Tampa has Carlson, yeah, Tampa wins that handily. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go with yeah. Unless Bobrovsky, Bobo stands on his head. Do you think Kane ends up at Tampa instead of Carlson? Oh and my Bobo? god! <laughs> oh, that's bad. I don't know how they do that cap wise, but you. I don't think they do it. No. Okay, let's say Carolina makes I that think final Kane's spot. Oh wow, there are two teams out now. Oh my god. So okay, looking at two teams who are okay, here's your wild card picture, right? So <laughs> said, okay, like four times. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> you got New Jersey with 72 points. They're sitting decently on that top wild card spot. So now they could we could even challenge for the top three in the division there. Exactly. So now we go two points or sorry, five points down mm-hmm. to Columbus with 67 points. Why did it have to be 67? Uh, the Islanders are only two points back. Hurricanes three. Four to five. Games in hand. And they have games in hand, so that's pretty good. And Red Wings fans are like, why don't you get to us, dude? You're already selling. Come on, let's be honest. Um, Who out of those teams gives Tampa any trouble? Like, let's say Carolina squeaks in there. How soon after does Cam Ward retire? How many, like, on the ice right there after game four? (laughs) Game five. Give him one. No, I won't. <laughs> I won't. Islanders? You think Halak just has a new career as a stop sign in Montreal? The Islanders can get hot enough to make anything a series. Because they were so good in that middle section of like Jan- December, late December to mid-January. Can I throw out a really stupid suggestion? You know what the Islanders should do? Evander Kane? Sell. They should, they should try to acquire, for as cheaply as they can... One of the hottest goalies in the Atlantic Division, Antti Niemi. Is he actually? Ever since going to Montreal, he's been gold. Uh, Carey Price they is should injured. They should absolutely do it. Carey Price is injured. Montreal has uh, whoever the other goalie is on an emergency basis, so they can't trade. Oh, Charlie right Lindgren? Yeah, he, Charlie's up for emergency basis. Or Chuckles Lindgren? So, yeah. Damn. Can't do that. All right, right well, I think so give him, give him, make the trade Chris Gibson, who the Islanders have. So you give them a goalie yeah. in exchange for Niemi. So Chris Gibson and a late pick for Niemi. Found money. Um, Maybe. I, I find it interesting. Evander uh, Kane to me, I, if I'm the Islanders, that's a guy I target. That's that's a pretty scary guy on their way. Don't you think? I just, that's not their issue. So they actually did make a buy. I forgot. There's another trade we forgot to mention. They got Brandon Davidson. Yes. From mm-hmm. Edmonton for a third. And Montreal waived him earlier this year. L-M-A-O. Yeah. <laughs> That's a third round oh. pick they literally Gave just away. threw in the garbage. Uh, wow. What was that last year? Who waved Mike Condon? And then, and then Ottawa, Pittsburgh Montreal. got him. 
Ottawa, Montreal. Wasn't he in Montreal? Oh my God, in Montreal. <gasps> that was my God. So I Montreal. think Montreal waved Mike Condon. Pittsburgh scooped him up. He was decent. They traded him to Ottawa for yes. a fifth. Yeah. <laughs> this is the second time in as many years that that's happened to Montreal. <laughs> that sucks. That <laughs> sucks. Oh, that's funny. Um, no, yeah. So the Islanders, I mean, their need is on the back end. I mean... I guess you address a strength to make it even stronger, but like, holy shit. Like, we haven't had a podcast since the Islanders game. Mm-hmm. Barzal is absolutely out of his mind good. He's so good. Holy shit. Yeah. I don't think Tavares is leaving. <laughs> no! Like, why? No, there's like, no chance. I would why? love him to be a Leaf. You can't like, it's nice not to joke look about at that, that kid play and be like, mm, yeah, we have a chance to do something. <laughs> and Anders Lee is the most underrated superstar in the NHL. Yes. And, and you Josh just ba- locked up Josh Bailey. For yeah, five, isn't going five million anywhere. a year. Yeah, Terrence isn't going anywhere. No. Damn. No way. I, uh, okay, so let's do, uh, so let's talk about this. Okay, so tomorrow, obviously, trade deadline day. Uh, watch, watch Sportsnet because we love Sportsnet. You're probably watching it right now as you listen also, to this. Also, side really note on show. the Islanders before we move on. Uh, this year's draft picks, they got two first-round picks, two oh, second-round yeah. picks, and all their other picks, except for a sixth. So they got four picks in the first two rounds. Man, they could make They're going to load moves. up. Sorry about that. Go uh, I'm just, I, I sense that we're winding down, so I'm checking Twitter to make sure no, nothing, nothing else nothing's happened. happened. Nothing's happened. Nothing's <laughs> happened. Adam's got um, I, uh, uh, okay, so just so you know, we are doing a trade deadline wrap-up show. And That's that will be Tuesday. 48 hours from now. So okay. Tuesday morning, actually less than 48 hours. Let's do the press conference. Um, are you guys aware of the current draft order if the NHL season ended today? Well, like Sons Lottery? The Sons Lottery. Uh, no, How it not. would shape out. I do not. The first pick would go to the Coyotes. Mm-hmm. The second pick to the Sabres. The third pick to the Senators, the fourth pick to the Canucks, the fifth pick to the Canadians, the sixth pick to the Oilers. So, three through six, four Canadian teams. How disappointed are you in our country? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not. No, I'm not. (laughs) We saw this coming. Um, Saw it coming with Montreal for sure. Ottawa was a surprise last year. I didn't think they were going to be good last year, and then they were great. And then I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'll give them a flyer on this year, and they weren't. And so I keep going back and forth with Montreal. They shouldn't be this bad. Yes, they should. A couple things happened. Steve. <laughs> Weber was out. Steve. And Price has they just should, not been very they good. They don't have a lineup, man. Yeah, they don't. They have no centers. Mm-hmm. This is a center and goalie league. There's no centers. They got a winger who's a career winger to play center. And they traded their top defensive prospect to get him. Nothing against Jonathan Drouin, but let's be honest. Is that how you want to have your number one center? A guy who might be able to play the position? And then midway through the year, you realize, oh no, he's probably better on the wing. Hey, you know what? This trade aside, potentially good news for Leaf fans. It looks like Jeff Molson is prepared to let Bergevin fix his own mess. Great. Good. Good He's got the full confidence. Actually, they tweeted that yesterday. Good luck. It's awesome. Good, Um, Good luck. I like the idea... Of Rasmus Dahlin ending up in Arizona. I like the idea of him ending up nowhere near this division. I don't <laughs> oh, want I was him like, here. Where are you going with this? I don't want him uh I don't want him anywhere close geographically to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Don't need it. Mm-mm. Listen, you know, Jack Eichel is who he is with Buffalo, and you know, and he's making the money that he's making. I don't want Buffalo to have another shot. Okay. 
<laughs> no, I just, you know, as a Leaf fan, no offense, Buffalo. But like, seriously, I wouldn't, I don't want them to have another shot at having a, a gener- generational player. You know what I love is when people get like smarter than they are about the Sabres. When they're like, you know, Sabres are a great example that tanking doesn't always mean success. Yeah, sorry, we <sighs> should have mentioned that the asterisk is you need to be smart. Like, I'm, oh, I'm sorry, did we need to mention that you can't be idiots well, they about also your rebuild? Signed, yeah, they also signed a bunch of ridiculous contracts. Yeah. Matt Molson. Matt Molson. Yeah. Matt Molson. And Kyle Ocposo. The asterisk is uh, you should try to make a good team as well as mm-hmm. Tank. And maybe take more than one year to do oh, I'm it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we didn't mention that you should try to be good when uh, trying to be good. <laughs> what the hell are you talking I about? Know, it's dumb. Tanking doesn't always work. Yeah, if you're not an idiot, yes, it does. Uh, Harsh, true. Jason Palmanville is also signed through next year for five point six million dollars. That's <laughs> oh, a good deal. And that was a trade before the season. Anyways, um, second question: Tyler Patico, eighty nine, wants to know what are some fun made up teams we may see in the next World Cup of Hockey. Oh yeah! Congrats to the Olympic athletes of Russia. I guess on winning that gold. Or medal. yeah, speaking of made up teams. Uh, made up teams in the next World Cup of Hockey. I mean, most of Asia was Germany. No, Germany was part of Team Europe. Yeah. So maybe Germany, but, but that's not a made up team. So you're asking for made up teams. Mm. Why can't we just invite sixteen countries and just have a system where we play an actual World Cup with sixteen oh. countries? So how many was it? Eight. Yeah. Why can't we have sixteen? Well, because you can do eight countries as well if you want. I just like sixteen because it's it, it it involves like crazy like Slovenia. I want to see Germany. I want to see Switzerland. I want to see Norway. I want to see Denmark. I want to you know. I want to see lesser countries. Com- I want to see England and Italy. Put, no. put something forward. I <laughs> no. want you know what I mean. Like I love when you watch the FIFA World Cup. There's countries in there. You're like, oh yeah, that is a country. How deep is hockey? <laughs> you know? How deep is hockey that you would get interesting games each time? I don't think I would love deep. to see an Italy Slovenia game. I think Slovenia that would be amazing. would kick the shit out <laughs> of them. Do like, you want to see a 16-nothing game? No. Nobody wants that for the sport. I'm not saying I don't want to say that. <laughs> Listen, it's it's just I turn just into feel Matthew like, McConaughey there. I just don't want uh I don't want the some of Europe North American young stars BS. If you're going to call it the World Cup, Fine, there are going to be dominant teams, but there are dominant teams in the soccer World Cup. It's always Brazil, Portugal, Netherlands. Like these are always the good teams. Yeah, but you don't see eight nothing soccer games. Like nobody gets True. embarrassed once they make the World Cup because there's a, so soccer goes runs so deep. Like Canada's True. It's 180 point. in the world or whatever. You know, I'm trying to. Think we once of... got up to 67. You know, <laughs> did we? I think something like that. We won the Gold Cup once, and I still remember. Hey, we'll be in it when we host. I still remember so, a few years ago. Maybe not even then. <laughs> <laughs> a few years ago, Canada's men, I should specify, because Canada's women are really good. Canada's men, I remember, were tied for 99th with Belize, which up until I heard a Jada Kiss song where he mentioned Belize, I did not know was a place. Mm-hmm. That so, Canadian women are incredible. And men, not so much. Yeah. Um, like, who could even ice a team? Like, I'm trying to think of countries who weren't in it last time who could maybe come in and do something. Potentially Denmark? Well, Germany. Germany? With Leon Dreisaitl. But the thing about all that is the whole tournament 
was a slight sham to A, just give a middle finger to the Olympics, and B, just promote NHL players. You invite a team like Denmark, uh, there's going to be a few NHLers in there, and you showcase how good Freddie Anderson is, but like he was the goalie for Team Europe before he got hurt, so you were going to do that anyway. But the NHL's job is to grow the game. Grow the game. Uh, Grow it. I beg to differ, whispered Gary Bemmon, who just wants to make money and is also having to deal with Eugene Malik. Team Canada currently sits 89th in the world in the FIFA rankings. Hey! hey. It's not bad. Moving on. We're at a 117 in 2016. So That's a staggering jump. Yeah. I want to know I want to know what Central American country they tied to move up the rankings that much. What was the 1-1 draw they had <laughs> with with Armenia? Like Costa Rica <laughs> or something like that. Uh, Armenia is currently at 91, so I mentioned them. Oh, I was about to, I was like, <laughs> yeah, we all know the Central American country of Armenia, Jesse, because geography. Congo is currently at 88. Hey, not bad. So, like, we're one behind Congo. Listen, with the amount of immigration in this country, with the amount of resources available to this country, to be honest, there is absolutely no reason why we are not better then we should it's it's absolute incompetence for sure and that's why that's why they moved the women's the women's head coach over to the men's side so he can clean some shit up there because he did such a great job on the women's program and obviously we have some absolute studs for well Well, i mean i think it was a lot of people were like why are you just why are you taking from a strength which is your women's program to address a weakness which is your men's program and i think it's a legitimate argument but I don't know at the same time, I don't know they also they want both programs to do well. And Herdman's a good coach, so it's Herdman, right? Yeah, um, they were a lot really upset because they didn't tell any of the players when this before this. Christine St. Clair was told. Yeah, she tweeted that after. She's like, she said, "I had no words," and the people were like, "You didn't tell her." And she's like, "We talked earlier this week," but like, she still was shocked by it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and the like rumors are that he kind of bullied them into the position because he wanted to leave, and then he's like, "If if you want me to stay, I want the keys to the men's team." They're like, "Okay, you can have it." And mm. there's, there's a little Ooh. bit of controversy, but who knows? Maybe why really you would good. want that? Yeah, wouldn't you want to win? Yeah. Like you got a shot at winning every time, but I guess the men's program still holds so much more prestige. But like one's a well, good, you're looking for holy shit, good we beat Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the pinnacle of the Canadian men's team right yeah. now, isn't it? So it made no sense to me. I don't but know. I don't know. Well, it's, it's uh, the it. women's the women's program though. Whoever steps in as the head coach there is stepping into a friggin' dynasty. Yep. So good for them, and uh, and it gives somebody else the opportunity to be a great head coach there. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, do we ever? Do we talk about the women's gold medal game? No, no. Sucks that it was decided in a shootout. We got outplayed. Uh, yeah, the Americans <laughs> were. You know what would have been the real controversy if Canada had won in the shootout? Yeah. After the Americans dominated overtime, dominated it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a shame. Didn't like seeing it. Uh, what a shame for Germany! Just the way they lost. To that sucks. The Olympic athletes that I'm more upset about. Like, Ooh. okay, you know, like yeah, the Canadian women. That goalie. You lose a hockey game sometimes, but mm. it was like holy crap for Germany. They really could have won the gold. He went for the worst poke check of all time and like bailed halfway through and just couldn't have made it easier for Russia. Yeah. Do you guys have any concluding thoughts on the Olympic tournament? Now that we've seen one without I, this is, NHL you know, players. I think, I think because of where I'm at in my life, I have paid, I love the Olympics normally. And I summer and winter, I love them. I 
paid almost zero attention to these Olympics. I'm not going to lie. And it's just because I came back from honeymoon. There's some stuff going on in my personal life that, you know, not bad stuff, but there's a lot of complicated stuff going on in my personal life at the moment. And, and we have this show to worry about. We've got trade deadline. We've got all this stuff. Normally we're paying attention to it because the NHLers are there. Right. So, you know, we've got a show that focuses on that. It's a critical time here. I got another, I've got another two shows to worry about for me. I didn't pay any attention. So I really don't have an opinion and I feel bad about that. But at the same time, it's like sometimes life gets in the way, man. And you can't like, there's not, you can't focus on everything. Look at the length of today's show. We were talking about breaking news the entire time. And then we got to the Olympics. There's stuff to talk about guys. Yeah. And I mean, we got more to talk about than. I don't know who is it Kevin Poulin winning a bronze like with I mean it's a cool story it's cool that they got to do that but like let's let's be honest here guys now the one tweet I got that I thought was really interesting is the Olympics inadvertently did more to grow the game than it potentially would have if the NHLers had gone I agree because wow. like the like a lot of people in Germany were up early in the morning to watch oh. Germany compete for gold I think it would have been better if they won but uh I mean, that is a country, that's a perfect example of a country that should be way better at hockey, but they just have their priorities elsewhere. Mm. Like, the Americans should be better at hockey than they are, and they're already really good at it, but all their star athletes go into other sports, right? So, uh, you know, Germany's big in soccer. I think it's soccer that's like their big thing. Oh, they're amazing. They always oh, yeah. do well at the Olympics, winter and summer. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, you know, there's other stuff going on in Germany, man. But if you build interest, and there is some, but if you build it even more, like Germany could easily be a hockey powerhouse. For sure. There's no reason they got the climate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's uh, and, and you know what? Another team or another country emerging <laughs> is money. good. And money. Money, yeah. Any money to play hockey, uh, But another country emerging on the hockey scene is a great thing. We need that. Mm-hmm. We need that. Yeah, like, I, I tweeted it and got shit for it again. But, like, look, you could have Canada in there again, and you could have, you know, one of the same half dozen countries in there again. Or you can have another team get a crack at it. And uh, Germany was in there. I think they medaled for the first time, or, like, the first time in a very long time. You know, there's things like, like, it's still crazy to me that in 2018, we're hearing something like, I think the Japanese women's team scored a goal and everyone's like, that's their first goal. I'm like, holy shit. Like, forget like first win, first goal. That's nuts, man. That's crazy. Um, Or maybe, maybe I'm wrong there. Or maybe it was the first win or something like that. But it's just like, even in the world cup. Every now and then a team sneaks in there and you go, Senegal. Yeah. <laughs> You're in the final eight. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. That's or cool. like, there, what, what was that one? It would have been like eight years ago now, but like most of the final eight was like, how the hell did you get here? It's the best part. Like South Korea was in there or something like that. It's the like best that. part. That's when that happens, it's the best. It's always more fun when those teams happen. So the, the I deeper- never cared about the Euro tournament more than when Greece won. Yeah, how big was that? Yeah, and I'm right? half English, half Italian. And I'm pretty sure Italy has won it in recent memory. But when Greece won, it was a lot. It was cool. And the games weren't even entertaining. They played a boring defensive style, but I was like, holy shit. They're winning. Greece. Yeah. Yeah. And they got in there and won. Uh, something we should keep in mind 33% of the Leafs' remaining games are against the last place Sabres and the Skeleton Habs, Habs team. Hmm. Wow. And that is from Flo Jurgerson. At Joey Ferg. And they play less games 
down the stretch than both Boston and Tampa. Yeah. I keep waiting for Boston to catch up. Like, are we just going to finish a week and a half before they it's do? It's going like, to finally happen. When does that now? happen? It's going to finally happen. It's The Leafs have played the most games in the league or like been tied with St. Louis since like November. It's insane. It's insane. Well, remember how ridiculous December was? Mm-hmm. And like weirdly, they started to take a dip. <laughs> Their Strange. schedule sucked. Yeah. It's brutal. And right it now, we're the only team in the NHL to have played 64 games. It's crazy. Imagine if McElhinney hadn't been as good as he is. We've got a trade. Oh, boy. Nashville Predators acquire Brandon Bolig and goaltender to- Troy Groshnik from the Sharks. I didn't know Bolig was oh, on the Sharks. I didn't know either. <laughs> so there's your Ryan Reeves. Brandon yeah. Bolig. Um, okay, so here's the deal. Uh, so they got four goalies now, if I'm not mistaken. Bolig and Troy uh, Groshnik to the San Jose Sharks for a sixth round pick in the 2018 draft. No, to the Preds. To the sh- oh, sorry, from the Sharks. Sorry, in exchange for the sixth. So yeah. what did you hear? Get Sharks get time? a sixth round pick from okay. the Preds. Bolig and Groshnik end up with the the Predators. Hmm, that's bizarre. Maybe bizarre. there's injuries I don't know about because I think they have. Uh, well, Rene's obviously having a potential Vesna yep. conversation season. Then you got UC Saros, I think Anders Lindback, and now you got Grosnick. Mm-hmm. And Grosnick's not had the best year. And you uh, take on two roster spots. He's had, he has a 298, 298 GAA and a 902 save percentage in 20 games with Barracuda this year. With the Barracuda, excuse me, this year. So, eh. Um, also, that's the Sharks freeing, freeing up a little bit of room. I have a they are apparently, they're in on Carlson. I think tomorrow's going to be nuts. Final question before we go. Okay. What are you guys doing tomorrow, Saturday at noon? What? Uh, tomorrow, Saturday. Next Saturday oh. at noon. <laughs> 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 that was... Holy that was very, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, yes. It's been a long show. What are you doing uh, next Saturday at noon? Uh, I don't know why. If you left here. From Toronto, Canada. Oh, that's um. Oh, I know what I'm doing. I'm gonna be at um. What the hell is the place called? Oh no! What's the new crazy place with all the arcade games? The rec right? room. The rec room. Thank you. I'm gonna be at the rec room doing a uh, puck talks with uh, Myrtle and Jack and Soph wow. and the crew. If you had left here for Memorial Stadium at noon on Saturday, you could get there in time for the Leafs game. No, you absolutely Walking? couldn't. Driving. Oh. It's an eight-hour drive. Yeah, there's going to be no traffic. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> say, we should have road-tripped it. Man, I'm not going to road-trip it to see a game where Matthews isn't playing. Come on. By the way, doesn't that suck? Hey, I was just thinking, wouldn't it be great if Thomas Placanics wins a Stanley Cup with the Leafs? That'd be fun. That's so heartbreaking. <laughs> Won't that be awesome? Well, wouldn't it be fun if we won the Stanley Cup? <laughs> be, I mean, that'd be great. But wouldn't it be extra great I'm with just, Thomas Buchanan? Here's Here's what I need. Matthews hoists the cup first. Passes the cup to Patrick Marlowe, who hoists the cup, <laughs> crying, crying. This is his Ray Bork moment. Mwah, kisses the cup. Hands it to Thomas Pekanitz. <laughs> Tears pouring into his turtleneck, just soaking it, along with the blood and sweat that he spent to win this thing his entire life. And Pekanitz then hands it to Lou Lamorello, 
the camera has to pan down. <laughs> and he lifts the cup above his head. And the most subtle of smirks crosses his face. And into the camera, he simply says, Kneel. <laughs> Let the hearts across the league break! The Leafs finally won! And for some reason they take it out on the Sharks and also the Habs! (laughs) Rip their hearts out of their chest! Ah! It's our turn now! The Marlow one's unnecessary. But the Placanus one's pretty funny! It's going to be weird seeing him in a Leafs Thursday, I'm not going to lie. Uh, they said he might play tomorrow night? Yep. Well, Against the Lightning. Yes. When the Leafs play back-to-backs and certainly won't be caught by anyone and will still have the most games played in the league. Cool, cool. I'm telling you, the Leafs <laughs> When gonna, is it going to happen? The Leafs are going to finish up two weeks before everybody else. That's just what's going to happen. Do the Leafs... Yeah, the Leafs get like three weeks off before the playoffs. <laughs> I hope so. Hey, but thanks. they make them play a bunch of friendlies for no good reason. <laughs> Thanks. Leafs have to play 90 games. Thanks so much for listening. We love you. Uh, we'll be back Tuesday morning. Steve will be exhausted and it'll be hilarious. Because, you know, Steve actually has, he has to work the next 48 hours. Wow. Can you imagine? Wow. Can you imagine? Wow. Like wall to wall. Like eight, nine hour days, guys. Not <laughs> even. <laughs> well, you have to do like one LFR Monday. <laughs> I am writing a book. <laughs> the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle at Adam W-Y-L-D-E and at Jesse Blake The Steve Dangle Podcast Brought to you by Panago Pizza Order at Panago.com and stuff your face with deliciousness